For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Into stacking the box on this Wednesday on Radio Row live in Las Vegas. Sterling Holmes, my guy Malcolm here, unified coverage of the Super Bowl fan sided in Special Olympics. Malcolm, we're back again, baby. Yes, we are back again. Uh, Sterling, I'm excited for the for the interviews uh, we're about to um, we're about to embark on. I mean, we got a lot. We got Justin Pugh coming up in just a moment. Uh, in just a moment. Tony Pollard, Quincy Williams, Brandon Bolden. Jay Glazer, James Conner, the list goes on and on. From the first time we talked this morning, favorite guy you interviewed, favorite guy you talked to? Puka Nakua and Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, honestly, Puka Nakua was very entertaining, yeah. outgoing. Um, always a smile on his face. Yeah. I feel like it's a guy who breaks tackles with a smile on his face. He does, absolutely, sir, he does. Uh, with Michael Penix Jr. too, it's cool because after uh, we got off, I went back on Arrowhead Attic and we talked with his teammate, Roma Dunze. Right. And it's cool having that Washington connection. It's not like yeah. Washington's been this powerhouse. Again, Washington's been good. They've had a lot of good teams. Yeah. But this is the first time they've really stepped into that next level. Right. College football playoffs, they won a game. They lost in the finals. But again, it was on the backs of Rome and then Michael Penix Jr. And now look at them. Both projected to be first-round draft picks. Absolutely. Um, all right, this next little uh, little segment, who are you looking forward to most talking to? I'm looking forward to talking to Jay Glazer, get his thoughts on the game on Sunday, obviously, and, you know, also looking forward to talking to uh, Tony Pollard as well in here. And then, and then the Thunderbirds, I'm excited to talk to them as well. Yeah. That's going to be exciting too. So what all do you know about the Thunderbirds? Uh, they're actually going to be the, uh, the flyover. Uh, wow. For the Super Bowl on Sunday. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You big plane guy? Yes. Big plane guy? Yes. I need that confidence. I love I love planes. I love flying. But see, I don't like heights. You got to help me out here. I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you a tidbit on on heights. Uh, you know, uh, Sterling, uh, just just don't let down. Don't. Oh wow. Don't let down. Thanks, Malcolm. Only insight right here, baby. Don't look down. Don't look down and always look. Always look at your surroundings. You know, you know, wherever your surroundings are, just look where you, where you're at. What What'd you do on your break off? What'd you eat? Chicken sandwich. Nice. It was a nice chicken sandwich. You know, uh, very nice chicken sandwich with pickles in it and and fries, and you know, it, it, it was delicious. I must say. Everyone who's listening to Stacking the Box right now, also check out Arrowhead Attic. We're doing stuff on both platforms. Um, just got off with uh, guys like Shannon Sharp, Roma Dunze, as I mentioned. Uh, the list goes on and on. A lot of fun. So check out both Stacking the Box as well as Arrowhead Addict. Um, day's getting crazier here, man. This morning was a little quiet. Yeah, now it's starting to pick up now. I mean, look around. It's, it, it's loud, loud. We got yeah. that carrot top right there with some phenomenal shoes. <laughs> carrot, carrot, those are some great shoes. Great shoes. I'm those more, are awesome. I'm digging the shoes as well, carrot top. Those are great. Those are great. great. 
one day I will get those shoes. One day. Will you probably get, not. Will you not. get the same exact size as Carrot Top, though? I know I should ask it. If they're, if they're 10, they're not. Richard, good job getting the shot right there. That, that right good there job, is professional. Richard. You got to shout out your cameraman sometimes, yeah. Yeah, Malcolm. Do. We, we got to make sure you that do. Richard, in his glorious yes. mustache, yeah. gets his due. But, man, it, it is pretty crazy the amount of people who were just walking by yeah, who were here. You know, you're, you're just scoping out everybody here at uh, on the row. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it it's only day three. You know, it's like, you know, it's going to get busier as the as the week progresses. Yeah. Uh, yes, it sure will. Uh, sleep, I don't think, is going to be a thing, Malcolm. No, not, not for me either. Not for me either. No, no, no. It will not be. <laughs> um, again. Definitely. Everyone's getting wings apparently here. Bounty's handing out a whole bunch of wings. Shout out to Bounty for handing out buffalo wings. Uh, uh, again, who doesn't love buffalo wings? Yeah, Justin Peel will join us in a moment. I love this comment from Woozy Guy. LMAO, that was random. Carrot Top needs a segment. It's been wild. We've been seeing Carrot Top everywhere. Yeah. Like we saw him all yesterday at the media day. Or open no, that was open a night. Monday night, opening night. Open a night. Carrot Top was at opening night as well. Sorry, the days kind of run together now. I mean, yeah. we just talk. Right. Just talk, 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 baby. Yeah, exactly. All right, as far as some of the things we did not talk about leading up to the Super Bowl, what what do you think might be a key? Is there, is there a specific matchup you're looking for, whether it's uh, Legereus Sneed versus Brandon Ayuk, whether yeah. it's George Kittle against the Chiefs linebackers? Is there another little matchup you're looking forward to? For me, it's going to be... For me, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey against that Chiefs, um, the the Chiefs front front seven. That to me is going to be the big key. If Christian McCaffrey can find a way to find those holes with the Chiefs against the Chiefs, I mean, it's going to be. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to struggle to slow down Christian McCaffrey. And not to say Christian McCaffrey is going to get over 100 yards, but you know, they that to me is going to be a key. If Christian McCaffrey can run between the tackles of those Chiefs uh, defensive uh, players. Then I think the Niners will, you know, will have a will have an awesome game. If Chris McCaffrey can't, then they're going to have to find all the ways to, you know, to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands. Yeah, and that's going to be the key is getting pressure on Brock Purdy. He has been fairly good under pressure this season, but you're going to have to have some design pressure. The offensive line of San Fran, while not great, not as good as it has been in the past, is still solid, especially on the left side. The right side a little easier to get some pressure on. So I wonder if we will see a little bit of uh, exotic blitzes yet again yep. from Steve Spagnuolo, whether that's Trip McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, and then again, Leo Chanel, talking to Leo Chanel the other day um, on opening night, and Leo was enjoying playing a little bit of, right. of that uh, edge rusher. Leo <laughs> Chanel was enjoying exactly. getting a chance to pin his ears back and get up to the quarterback again. We probably won't see it outside of maybe a handful of times. Right. But, again, you don't know, and that is the versatility that the Chiefs' defense possesses player-wise as well as what Spagnuolo has in his arsenal. So let me ask you what you asked me, uh, Sterling. Is there anything? Is there any key matches that you're looking for that we haven't mentioned already? Probably Ambry Thomas, the third cornerback for – um, San Fran, he's mm -hmm. graded out, according to PFF, as one of the worst corners um, in the playoffs this year. Um, if I were the Kansas City Chiefs, I would try and focus on him. 
Now, Rasheed Rice going to get his targets. Travis Kelsey going to oh, get yeah. his targets, obviously. But whoever is going up against Ambry Thomas is probably the guy I'm, I'm tabbing at that for the Chiefs needs to have at least a solid game. Now, I don't think they need to go out and go for 100-plus yards. I'm not saying they have to even score a touchdown. But they have to have a actual ability to move the chains, whether that's uh, four catches for 50, uh, five catches for 60, around there. If one Kansas City Chief receiver outside of Rice, right. outside of Travis Kelsey can do that, right. it's probably going to happen against cornerback Ambry Thomas. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Savannah Joy says, I too am concerned about stopping McCaffrey and Juszczyk. Um I think Juszczyk is an interesting name to throw in there as well. Yep. Um, it's a wrinkle. I, I, I think the reason why is he is so good as a blocker while yet also having the ability to line up as a pseudo tight end. When you have the ability to line up as a pseudo tight end, right. you can have more power packages. Um, he is a guy who will be picking up at least a decent amount. Some mm -hmm. of the exotic blitzes, once again, we're talking about that Spagnuolo most likely is going to send. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you think Spaz is going to try and blitz? Try, you know, try, try, try to make Purdy uncomfortable on Sunday, and I'm sure he is. But do you think he's going to throw the kitchen sink at Purdy, you know, just to make him uncomfortable? You think in your mind, or are you think they're, are you think Spass is going to go a different route here? Very much so. I, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Purdy. I think they're going to send a lot of exotic blitzes, whether that's going to be from Willie Gay Jr., uh, Leo Chanel, again Trent or um, yeah. Legereus Snead. Uh, heck, you might even see a, a safety blitz from Justin Reed. Justin Reed obviously loves getting right. downhill. Um, talk with him on opening night. You know, he, he's makes it a point to hit hard and hit hard early. You know, talking with him, I, I said, you were a big reason why the Chiefs defense has gone from a finesse style of defense yeah. to more physical style of defense, right. whatever PFF says. Um, I, I think sometimes you can just look at statistics and yeah. not take into the full picture of what a guy brings to the table. And Justin Reed brings the physicality, he brings the, mm -hmm. the tempo, he brings the tone, and he brings the leadership. And I think it's something that, you know, a lot of times PFF can't always track. Absolutely. I talked to Sean Gibson yesterday at the 49ers media availability yesterday, and he shared a lot about the brotherhood that that he has in the locker room with those guys. And I feel like that's what that to me is going to be important for San Francisco. They have that brotherhood, you know, in the locker room on Sunday, you know, and they just come together and they just, you know, find a way to neutralize Patrick Mahomes. I mean, not to say you're going to slow him down, but if you can neutralize him some way somehow. You know, I think the Niners, you know, can find a way to move the ball up and down the field against that chief defense. I'm back looking at Carrot Top shoes. They're great. Great pants, too. I mean, we should just have a camera following Carrot Top the whole time. Yeah. A Carrot Top camera. A CTC. CTC. It is what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I think this is what we really, uh, really need. Savannah goes, is, uh, is for targeting Thomas, it'll mean not going to 12, 13 personnel in offense. He won't move the field as much if they go heavy right correct. That is completely correct. If they try going to 12, 
13 personnel. Uh, that's probably going to mean they're going more of a base package, a 4-3 defense, traditional two corners, two safeties. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a guessing game because, again, the Chiefs have been so effective running out of 12 and even 13 personnel. Uh, when they get both Noah Gray, Travis, and the occasional Blake Bell on the field at the same time, it really seemingly opens up things for them because teams mm -hmm. are they're expecting the run. Yeah. And the Chiefs can still run out of that, even when right. teams are expecting it. But then all of a sudden, what do you know? Noah Gray gets a 20-yard gain. Travis Kelsey does his thing. And Watson. oh, yeah, don't forget about Watson or Rasheed Rice. Yep. Uh, see you go 49ers in here. We respect you being in here. I cannot give a go 49ers, though. Can't do it. I think Malcolm can, though, for you. Yeah, I... I, I'll, I'll vouch for you, but, uh, but 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 I'm still leaning towards the Chiefs, you know, in a really close game, you know. So, you know, but Flapjack City says Purdy looked like a deer in headlights Monday night, standing next to Mahomes. I get what you're saying. Uh, you're talking about opening night, and they're standing almost like a boxing arrangement. They even had, um, they even had the dude who does the introductions for boxing out there. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Bruce but Buffer. Bruce Buffer out there giving the whole boxing intro right there. It's pretty yeah, cool. But you're was, right. Cool. I, I will say Mahomes has been here. He's been doing this a lot, right? He's been around the block a few times. Four Super Bowls now in five mm -hmm. years. Brock Purdy just now getting here. Um, I don't know if I'd say a deer in headlights for Brock Purdy in that moment. But again, you've not been in that moment before. It was wild. It was different. It's unique. Yeah. This two-week period, I guess now we're in that final week leading up to the Super Bowl. Right. It's unlike anything these guys go through in a given season. Right. During a regular season, you know, it's like, you know, you're off for two weeks, and now it's going to be okay. Um, which team's going to come out, guns are blazing, and which team's going to be like, okay. Um, you know, like both teams, are, you know, they're probably going to fool each other out obviously to begin and then we'll see like towards you know when the game goes on like which team's gonna come out blades blades a gun in and which team's gonna be like you know you know gonna struggle yeah uh, again if the 49ers get behind early it's gonna be very difficult for them to come back passing yeah. against this Chiefs defense uh, does not happen you do not get back in the game passing against this Chiefs defense if you right. get down you're out yeah so, exactly Brock Purdy as great as they've been in the playoffs coming back that also means they were down at some point. Yeah. The Detroit Lions defense ain't is, the same as Kansas this, City. It's the Packers not, defense. This is not the Lions defense. You're playing against a Kansas City defense that, that has been stout. And uh, I think the Niners are going to have their reward cut off for them. Uh, some news between these two teams. Mahomes says the Chiefs are okay being the villains as long as it's the price of winning. Mahomes going on to say, I think I just like winning. If you win a lot and that causes you to be a villain, then I'm okay with it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to enjoy playing the game and try to win as much as possible. Um, it's true because the Chiefs were the fan favorite four years ago. Yeah. They were the team that everyone was rallying behind, rooting for against the 49ers first time around. Yeah, exactly. Here we are a few years later. Next thing you know, they are the villains. Right. They're the hunted. They're the team that 31 other fan bases want to see lose. Right, and the Chiefs have the, have the biggest target on their back. Because uh, they're trying to repeat as champs, you know, and, and the last team to do it was the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jones, in regards to being labeled the villains, goes on to say, everybody used to love us. 
We used to be one of the most favorite teams. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's ready for the Chiefs to lose. It's okay. They can continue hating. You call it hate when you win a whole lot. The problem is we haven't won as much as people think. We've only won two Super Bowls, right? We only won two out of three. Three. Well, mm. what about three out of four? Four, yeah. Might make it a little different, huh? Right. If they win three out of four, maybe, you know, it'll silence those, uh, you know, it'll silence the doubters, it'll silence the haters as well, too. Uh, I will say um, Eric Bieniemy, who was let go by the commanders in the overall overarching um, firing right mm -hmm. the commander's kind of burning yeah. down the house right now actually visited the Chiefs during this playoff run um, he played or he paid a visit to the Chiefs before the AFC championship game against the Baltimore Ravens sat in on meetings and talked with various offensive players including Patrick Mahomes uh, Mahomes quote says it's always great to have EB in the building just being there and the energy that he brings and the mentality that he brings he loves being there he loves being a part of the team and being a part of that culture um, what do you think, man? Does, EB do you, sounds like the head coaching opportunity is not going to be there. Yeah. Now he went from the OC at Kansas City thinking like it was going to be a chance for him to um, upgrade his ability to get a head coaching position when he go, went to become yeah. the OC in Washington. Right. That didn't happen. He's no. now out of a job. Where does Eric Bieniemy go from here? I would love for him to go back to Kansas City. You know, just, just the way he was able to run that offense. Even you know, not even as a not even as an OC, but at least as a consultant to help you know to help the guys you know like just just give them like you know like advice on you know on how to how to be successful you know like run the football and, and those type of things. But I would love for him to come back as a consultant at least. Uh, my question is, where does he go? Because is he going to be the OC? No, because Matt Nagy's still there. So unless you're firing Matt Nagy in a year right. that you go to the Super, don't get me wrong, the offense took a step back. But I find it very difficult to all of a sudden say, you know what, let's can the guy. Now, it's not unheard of. Right. It wasn't to a Super Bowl. Right. But you saw Bob Sutton get canned in an AFC Championship game. But that was a long time I'm coming. Go, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting here going, I think Eric Bieniemy might come back to Kansas City. But what type of role, role is that going to be? And by the way, you're probably looking at a step back. That would be a uh, pretty brutal blow. I think confidence-wise, when you were already the OC here, right. you go to Washington and try and, and upgrade yourself, gets that downgraded, did, and then now you lose your spot here in KC. It's right. a uh, in Washington. It didn't work out for him. Interesting spot to be in. Um, What's your thoughts on you know on 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 Bianami? Like like where do you see him? Like what do you think, um, Sterling? I think you're probably looking at an OC job. I mean, maybe he does come back to Kansas City, but again, you won't be the OC here. So it, right. it's going to come down to what he wants. Does he want to go back to what's fun, what's comfortable, um, or try something new? Getting joined now by Tony Pollard, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. How you doing, Tony? Tony, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. I like the little red outfit. That's nice. Nice Appreciate jacket it. right there. Appreciate it. Um, all right, so you're here with Sleep Number. What do you got going on with Sleep Number? Um, I mean, been partnered with Sleep Number for a while now. Um, it's just the effect that it that it has on your game. Um, it's hard to ignore it. So just partnering with them, it just it just was a no-brainer for me, you know, because sleep is like any nutritionist that comes in and talks to us. The first thing that they'll bring up to us is sleep, like how that's the biggest form of recovery. Yeah. So just keeping that in mind, it was a, a no-brainer. 
man, I'm jealous because I need to sleep in a bed. I, you know, just in Vegas. We're obviously here in Vegas. A little interesting, right? You don't sleep a whole bunch here. <laughs> I woke up this morning, like a pinched nerve in my back. I need me a sleep number. I need, I need, to, I need to find my number. <laughs> yeah, sleep number. They, they can fix that. I can get that right for you. Hey, Tony, uh, what's it like playing with Dak? Um, I mean, that's a – I don't even know how to explain it. I guess it's normal to me. I've been playing with him <laughs> since I've been drafted. I've been with him since day one, so – it's a normal day for me playing with that. For you, you've now had back-to-back -back seasons over a thousand yards on the ground. I mean, a thousand yards is still the benchmark for a, a really good running back. And what's interesting is you look at this year, not as many thousand-yard rushers, but still there you are on that list. What's that like for you to get to that benchmark? Um, I mean, that means a lot. Um, that, um, I have to give thanks to the trainers, you know, um, Dallas, Britt, working with him, Britt Hansen, old guys, get me back right. Um, rehabbing and uh, you know just being able to push through with um, coming off of a broken leg yeah. torn ligaments in the ankle and still do that you know that was that was big yeah how are you able to do that I mean just the recovery process of that I always find it interesting I know sometimes as fans and media we, we hear injuries we hear torn ACL you hear the recovery but you don't know what it's really like to go through that what's it like going through that to try and get back to football shape um it's a grind it's a it's a non-stop grind um, there's no offseason um, I mean, I got hurt in the playoff game, so our season was done after that. I got surgery like a day later, and then after that, I went straight to treatment, to rehab, to hitting it and getting it back yeah. at it. So it's, it was a nonstop grind. So you played at Memphis in college. What's that? What's the difference um, with you being running back at Memphis to the NFL? What's that transition like? You know, like what's the difficult part about transitioning from college to being an NFL type running back? Um, I would say the scheme is a big difference from um, college to, to the league to where I am now. Um, college, you know, we were more of a, a spread offense, you know, like to run the ball out of the shotgun a lot, things like that. Um, every once in a while we would get some runs on the center, but it wasn't often. And um, in the league, I, I feel like it's, it's more under center runs. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really more balanced at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more towards the balance side of it. So, um, yeah, just those little differences in the scheme. 15, 28, 39, 39, 55. Can you guess those numbers? Something to do with your career. Say that, it again. 15, 28, 39, 39, then 55. That's your receptions from your rookie year into now. You're known as one of the best receiving backs in the NFL as well. You're balanced, right? Mm -hmm. What do you bring to the table when you get the ball in your hands? Because you are so explosive. Do you almost prefer to be a pass catching back at times compared to uh, the grind on the ground? Um, I mean, it's it's just with open space. You know, it's possibilities are endless. You know, um, you make one or two moves, make a guy miss, and it's off to the races. So, you know, it's, it's definitely it has its pros and cons, but. Yeah, I would say it's, it's pretty fun out there on the outside getting the ball in the space. <laughs> you obviously had a, a nice tandem with Ezekiel Elliott, right? Then he's gone. Now you're the number one guy in charge. What was that transition of power almost? What did that look like for you? Um, being, more, being more responsible with my body, um, doing more treatment, doing more things beforehand before an issue comes about. Um, just stand on top of things, getting massages, getting body work like that throughout the week to make sure you know I'm good to go for the week and uh, be able to play the entire season. Yeah. Is there a player that you try to model your game after? 
Um, growing up, I wanted to be like Reggie Bush. That was the player that I looked at and, and wanted to model my game by. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Good. Hey, Reggie Bush is always the guy. Mm -hmm. It's never a bad answer. Do you have a Mount Rushmore? A Mount Rushmore of all-time running backs? Uh, I haven't. I haven't made my own, but I don't know. How, are we saying like all time? You, you can do anyone you want. College, college, pros, NFL, pros, anyone you want. Anyone you want. Uh, I will go. What is Mount Rushmore? Is it four heads or yeah, four heads? Four heads. Four heads yes. I'm gonna go Barry Sanders, um, Walter Payton, mm. uh, Marshall Falk. Nice. Nice. And he had a short career, but I feel like if he was healthy, it would have been one of those uh, Bo Jackson. Oh man. oh man. Well, you're talking to a guy who's from Kansas City. Yeah, I love me some Bo. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I know he's a Raider, but he also was a Kansas City Royal too. Yeah, he was a Kansas City Royal, absolutely. <laughs> What's the hardest and easiest part of being a running back, Tony? Um, the hardest part, I would say, being able to take the punishment um, day in, day out, throughout a, the course of a season. Um, the easiest part, I would say, is... What's the easiest part? <laughs> Ain't no easy part. Uh, Ain't no easy part being running back at all. Damn. I would say the You're having fun, your sleep number bed. <laughs> the fun part would probably be the, the touchdown celebration and getting the attention. So you got yeah, a favorite yeah. touchdown uh, dance that you do in the end zone? Nah, I ain't, I ain't never been a big dancer. You know, I was old school, laid back. You know. Try to act like I'm. I done been here before. So, when, when it comes to Jerry Jones, he's obviously the most unique owner probably in, in the NFL. He's the most hands-on, right? Uh -huh. What's it like having him as as the owner of the team? Um, I mean, it's it's different for sure. Yeah. Um, you get used to it after a while. You get used to the attention, the media that that, that comes around with him, and just his presence being a, a Dallas Cowboy. You get used to the the um, the media. You know, just just all of it. So. Um, it's a great experience having a guy like him coaching. I mean, um, the owner, I mean. Um, you know, he, he pops in for practices every once in a while, but randomly he may just drop in on the helicopter and then be <laughs> like, oh, that's Jerry. So. It's Jerry's world, baby. Yeah, definitely. When, when want, it comes to – oh, go ahead, Mike. I want to ask your thoughts about about the game on Sunday, Tony. Uh, what's your uh, – let's talk a little bit about the game on Sunday between the Niners and Chiefs. So, you know, give me your thoughts on that. Uh, it's gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a good game, but I can't go against Mahomes. I can't. It's a good answer right I there. Can't Tony. go against That's Mahomes, awesome. man. It's a good answer right there. In regards though, to Mike McCarthy, what does he bring? Obviously, he brought the Super Bowl pedigree when he came down to Dallas. The regular seasons have been really, really good. What does he bring, and what do the Cowboys need to do to get over that hump? Um, I mean, he brings. You know, him being from Philly, it's a certain vibe, a certain energy he gives off that's contagious to the team. And, you know, just, just him bringing that energy and, you know, just bringing physicality to the team, you know, just, just making sure that all the guys are, you know, ready to go on game day. Um, you know, he's a, great, he's a great coach. I would say he's a player's player, a player's coach. Yeah. You know, so someone that, you know, the players would definitely love to have be their coach. Yeah. Is there a favorite restaurant you like to eat in Dallas? Ooh, um... It's so many steakhouses. <laughs> you got 
You got D. Lincolns, you got Del Frisco, you got Perry's, STK. I can't even put a, I don't know which one the best, all of them good. <laughs> what, what was it like for you, obviously you are born in Memphis and then you played college football at Memphis. What was it like playing for your hometown? Um, I mean, it was big, you know, just being fortunate enough to be home, you know, by my family. So not having to worry about anything or being homesick or anything like that. Um, having a community behind me that I grew up with, you know, um, guys that I've been, that's been watching me play since Little League, still able to watch me play in college. So it was a great experience for me and just, just making the most out of my opportunities, yeah. you know, that's, that's how I looked at it. I've seen a few games down there. I'm a Mizzou guy. So every uh -huh. once in a while I go down there, you know, watch a game. I yeah. would love to go to Memphis and see a game at, at the Liberty Bowl. I've never been to, I never been to a college uh, football game in Memphis, Tennessee. I would love to, you love, gotta, to love to check it out. Got to go to Bill Street there, too. Man. Yeah, go to Bill Street. <laughs> gotta man, come definitely. down there, check us out. I would love to check it out in Memphis. Where have you grown the most from year one until now? Where, where, where do you think your game has grown the most? Um, it's I don't know. That's a hard question. I feel like in every phase I've grown. I feel like um, just in my my IQ, my football IQ has grown over the time, just evolving, just getting better over time, over the years. Um, my vision has gotten better. I would say patience, running the ball over time has gotten better and, and definitely pass blocking, you know, just, just getting reps at it, just yeah. getting better at it over time and then just trying to perfect it. Yeah, is just it? so you know, everyone out here is saying you're looking good and we wish that you were uh, a Kansas City Chief. They said, so just, just so you know, you got some people out here, they, they want you to be a Chief. As far as the running back matchup in the Super Bowl, obviously Isaiah Pacheco, very physical running style, mm -hmm. the high knees. I mean, ain't no chance I want to tackle that. I'm getting my chicklets knocked out if I do. And yeah. McCaffrey's a little different, right? He's physical, he's all around. Yeah. What do you see from those two guys? Um, those two very productive running backs, two impactful players that you want on your team. Um, they both bring a lot to the table, but they're completely different in their styles. Um, McCaffrey's, McCaffrey's more of a smooth runner, um, still explosive, able to burst through and, and make plays and, and still have that home run speed. And um, I would say Pacheco is more of a physical runner. Um, looks as if he's almost running towards the contact. Um, it just it just looks like somebody that you don't want to tackle when he runs the ball. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say again, everyone is pointing out they want to draft you in fantasy next year. So you got that. You got a lot in your back. Just so you know, everyone's saying they want to draft you in fantasy, or they said that you uh, you killed them whenever you played them in fantasy. So does it ever feel good for you hearing that? I, I know you probably don't care that much about mm -hmm. it. Does it ever feel good? And you're like, yeah, man, I did pretty good in fantasy this year. <laughs> I, I helped y'all out. I mean, it's always good getting that that positive reinforcement. You just have to know <laughs> to limit it yourself and not let it get to your head you know just stay neutral and just stay grinding yeah tony pollard running back to the dallas cowboys working here with sleep number one more time talk about sleep number yeah um sleep number it was a no-brainer partnering for me um you know just the importance that sleep has on on your direct effect in the game you know if you if you're not getting your sleep properly at night it's definitely going to affect you on, on the field so just knowing that um it was a no-brainer for me to partner with sleep number and yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Thanks really Tony time, so man. much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, thanks, man. Take it easy. Yep. Have fun this week. Tony Pollard right there, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Man, it's been a – he's had a really nice career. He's gone from a, a um, backup and then all the way into, you know, a split timeshare with Ezekiel Elliott. And then now all of a sudden he's the guy. He's the dude. He's the bell cow. Um, 
going over a thousand yards now in two straight years. I loved how I loved how he talked about how he was how he's from Memphis. He got to go to Memphis to play um, in college, and that's what really impressed me. Awesome. Getting joined it now by What's Quincy good? Williams. Good, Quincy, Quincy, how you doing, man? How you doing, Quincy? Yes, sir. I know you're here right here with the uh, American Cancer Society, Crucial Catch Ambassador. Yeah. What are you doing with them? So with Crucial Catch, um, the biggest thing, so he helped. Wait, I bet. Here we go. <laughs> I, I had a lot of, you feel me? I had a lot of talking points. Baby. I got kind of excited, man. <laughs> for real. Um, but the biggest thing, man, he hit home for me. So as soon as I got drafted, bro, I wanted to use my platform for something bigger. You feel me? So like... Mm -hmm. First thing that came to mind was uh, the Crucial Catch Day. So using my platform with my cleats and things like that, uh, just to bring awareness to the importance of like getting screening during breast cancer and things like that. Just because like a lot of people, you know, you can live with it and not even know it. And then catching it early is very important, you feel me? So it hit home with me very big because my mom passed the breast cancer, you know. So me and my brother partnered with the American Cancer Society. We do a lot of things, go to the uh, hospital, hang out and stuff like that, yeah. uh, go on like little trips and stuff like yeah. that. Um, also sit in therapy sessions too, though. Cool. So like the mental health is very, very big on uh, for us too, though. So like um, the person who's going through is very important too. And then those guys that you know, your family members and stuff like that. So like, how can you do the help yeah. type thing? So, um, so like just that. Awesome. You got it, Malcolm. Yeah, uh, Sterling uh, Quincy, your brother plays for the Jets. Yeah. What's that like? It's amazing because you got a you got a person who can hold you accountable <laughs> that also knows your background but also knows your why too though. So it's kind of it's, it's amazing though. So you know how like you like your teammates are your brothers. I actually got a real brother on there too though. But I try to have that same chemistry that I got with my brother with all my other teammates too though. So like easy to talk to, constructive criticism very big because once you hear. You know, like how you doing and what you need to do from your peers is very big. Yeah, you and your brother were the backbone of the defense this year, and the Jets had one of the best defenses in the NFL yep. yet again. How have you guys been able to play so well together? All his, it's probably kind of nice. You know, he's on the defensive line. You yeah, he's right in front of me. For <laughs> yeah, real. You, you got that. We right talk there. about it all the time. I'd be like, hey, bro, just keep him clean for me, bro. <laughs> just keep the D lineman off me, and I'm gonna make sure you get. I can make sure I'm gonna cover long enough that you can get your sack. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talk and laugh and joke about it all the time. Man, you man. also just a, a breakout year. It feels like this was a breakout year for you, man. What what clicked? Uh, the biggest thing is I, I I wanted to buy in and get my stamp. I wanted that all pro. So I got it this year also. Yeah. So like having that mindset of like if it ain't got if it ain't gonna get me closer to being all pro, I don't wanna do it. It was a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but I had to like ask myself like this gonna get me to my next level, you feel me? So I didn't do it. But the the important thing was that health though. So like that eating healthy, that's on hard. <laughs> like I, them cheap meals that get, I be, I be praying for them days. <laughs> you only get one, one a week, but I be looking oh, forward man. to them. <laughs> so Quincy, what did the team do to adjust after losing Aaron Rodgers? So that day was actually kind of crazy. So like leading up to it, you know, we had hard knocks. The whole off season was lit. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Yeah. Training camp yeah. was lit. Now it's game day, we prime time. Oh, let's go. <laughs> you feel me? So we excited, you feel me, damn. Uh, we actually get a, did my first chance, you know, a Hall of Fame. Let's say gold jacket. Let's see, gold jacket. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers yeah. play. You feel me? Yeah. I'm on the sideline with mm -hmm. it. So um, going into the game, uh, he run out of the tunnel. It's amazing. I mean, crowd going crazy. Like, <sighs> then leading up to it, man, four plays in, we see him on the ground. We like, hey, who that is? They was like, hey, that's eight. We was like, oh, hold on, man. 
So he got back up, ran another play, then he was actually out. So it was one of those things where like, we didn't know what was going on. So we was like, hey, let's keep a manageable game. So when he come back, you know, he can just take over. You know, yeah. just hold a manageable game. But uh, when we found out what actually happened, it was, you know, it was down spirits at first, but then it was one of those things was like, hey, nothing changes just because like, you know, that happened. He he, he was the one who said it. He was like, uh, he was like, the standard is still the standard. Sure. That's our biggest yeah. thing. When it comes to next year, obviously, this upcoming season, though, it has to be pretty fun feeling getting him back now, hopefully yeah. for the full season. I mean, how, how exciting is this offseason for you guys, especially the defense? I'm look, we're looking forward to, like, uh, we're going to build off last year number one defense. So that was a big thing in uh, some of the uh, categories or whatever. So we wanted to, like, lead no doubt to 2024. That's our mindset. So, like, lead no doubt for us. Like, the offseason where y'all hearing, like, the hype and stuff like that, yeah. during the season our mindset is just, like, focus on going one and no and then actually, like, living up to it. Got to so, hit the J-E-T-S. Yeah, you J-E-T-S, So, so talk about the, the, you know, the atmosphere at Met Life. What's that experience like? I, I mean, man, it's amazing. As a player. So look, if we in New York. Uh, so like the stadiums He's in New York, but first. we gonna say the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah. You feel me? The stadiums in New Jersey, hey, but we gonna okay, say New York Jets. The the Jersey Jets sounds pretty darn cool though, right? Jersey Jets. I don't know. I like New York, though, <laughs> especially because, bro, it's just so much to do in New York, like the media and stuff like that, bro. The games be lit. The games be lit, though. Like, it'd be a lot of fun out there. Like, our primetime games, they felt like primetime games, bro. Like, they, like we in the middle of the game or whatever, like timeout come, they'll shut the lights off. They got, like, little people with bracelets on like, like bro, it was a lot of fun to play around bro. Yeah. for real uh, I, I know you guys play the Chiefs this year right yeah. actually a really close game Damn. they're here in the Super Bowl the right Eagles, now beat the Eagles you yeah. 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 Hey. yeah make sure the green the green for the Jets not the Eagles right there what, what was the the hardest part about going up against a guy like Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense well I ain't even gonna say quarterback though I'm gonna I'm, I'm take it to somebody bro who a, a workhorse for real Pacheco yeah. For real. Going mm -hmm. against him, that boy worked for us for real. Like, he a hard runner, and he one of those guys with, like, short yards or something like that. You know, they mostly going to get to Kelsey or something like that. Yeah. But he changed the game where it's like, hey, let's run the ball. Like, yeah. like let's yep. run the ball. He a very hard runner and stuff, too. He one of my favorite one of my favorite running back, top running back. My, my dog, Brees Holler, that first, of course. Yeah. Then I got Christian McCaffrey, but Pacheco, and then uh, I got uh, Josh Jacobs up there, too, though. So, yeah. like. So like going against him, it was it was good. You feel me? But then your boy gonna do his thing. Yeah. Did you have any players you all that that um, did you have any favorite players growing up? Favorite player growing up was Brian Dawkins off the top. Brian Dawkins, yeah. Damn so I played safety at first, and I like those big hit type mm -hmm. players. So that's how I played. <laughs> you feel me? So I was looking at people like Brian Dawkins, Cam Chancellor, Ray Lewis. You feel me? Oh, CJ, awesome. the crazy part, CJ Mosley. I used to watch CJ Mosley film during college, and then I actually got a chance to play with him. Brother. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, Dude, I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a. I, I mean, when I first got into the uh, meeting room, you know, I tried to add cool. I'm like, bro, I'm be playing Nick. For you like I'm Quincy Williams. 
And I said, bro, let me just take the moment out, bro. I watch all your films, bro. <laughs> let me take the moment out, bro. I watch all your films, bro. <laughs> bro, you be balling, bro. Um, what's it like with Robert Sala? I think Robert Sala is a phenomenal head coach. I, I love what he did, obviously, with San Fran. You know, he, he helped revitalize that defense over yeah, there. Yeah, but and, the reason why, bro, because he a real person, bro. He be honest with you. Like, if you having a bad game, bad practice, he'll let you know, like, hey, they're going to get a beat. Like, he wanted them. He ain't gonna sugarcoat nothing with you though. So like keeping him having a standard made us have a standard too though. And then so like it trickled down. So like it wasn't no. He ain't no joking around type quarterback. But he. I mean not quarterback, but uh, coach. <laughs> coach. Yeah. coach. <laughs> he ain't no joking around type head coach. Uh, so, so we're here at you know, you know. Obviously we got the game on Sunday between the Chiefs and and Niners. Um, uh, talk a little bit about the matchup and. Uh, what do you expect? So you want a little bit of the inside scoop? Yeah, a little uh, bit. You want a little, little bit of the inside, inside scoop? Little bit. You feel me? So I'm rocking. I'm gonna be honest. I'm rocking with the 49ers. It's gonna make him happy. He's, he's a yeah. Niners. You feel me? I'm rocking with the 49ers. Now you looking for the uh, the key points? So my key yeah, points on yeah. that 49ers, boom! I'm going stacked offense, stacked offense, and they led by a person. I'm gonna say led because he ain't been getting the recognition he need to be getting. Brock Purdy, bro. Yeah. That man is a playmaking quarterback, bro. Like he be like he a, like he a game manager. I don't care, bro. He making plays, bro. He make all the people around him. He put it all together. He like the glue to it, like yeah, yeah. like. For real. So is like, that what a lot of the, the players think about Brock Purdy? Because I know a lot of times. No, nah, he a playmaker. For real. Yeah, like, yeah. He a playmaker. Like, I, I find it interesting because like, a lot of times the media, the fans, they have different viewpoints about different guys, right? Man, we be playing against that, man. We be on the field with them. Like, we ain't looking at no statistics. We ain't looking at no on the field. We like, in the moment, what you going to do? Yeah. Like, yeah. In the moment, like, right. at the speed of like, when you behind the clicker, you just sitting there chilling. I'm talking about like when you got somebody like Quentin Williams breathing down your neck, finna like hit you, like what you gonna do? He may play. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, just again, one more time, you're doing stuff right now. American Catcher Society, Crucial Catch Ambassador. Where can folks go to get more information about this? Uh, more information? Um, I don't even know the website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with Everyone you. Get Dang, give me out, a, you feel me? Everybody get checked out. Go to your nearest dog to ask them about the screening. It's very, very important. You feel me? So that's that's the very, very important part for real. Yeah. Uh, final one here. Did you guys actually think Aaron Rodgers at one point was gonna come back? I know. I know he talked about it a lot. You know, he's going on Pat McAfee all the time. Yep. Talks about trying to come back. Did you guys ever have a, an inkling that he actually was, or is that a little bit more? behind the scenes stuff the main thing was we wanted him to come back healthy and confident so like the big he if like right after surgery he was trying to walk so it's like yeah. it's one of those <laughs> things we were like hey slow down you know let's make sure you're good like we trust you and stuff like that but make sure when we get you back we got you all the way back not yeah. like half <laughs> halfway back like we good you feel me so just like trusting your teammates you feel me like i want the best for him like I want to win, but hey, I want the best for you too, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quincy Williams, Quincy. again, Jet right here, hey, man. Thanks for having me, This man. is awesome, man. I, I'm, so, I'm really happy for you guys, I, for you I playing with your brother. I mean, that's so cool. I'm excited for you guys next year. I mean, the Jets, I think, have a really good team. They have a good chance. AFC's deep. You but when you get a defense yeah. like that. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we're going to get a couple more pieces and stuff like that um, this offseason. I think all our coaches and stuff are back, a couple of well, like, yeah, the coach staff going to be back. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Awesome. Thank awesome. you so right, much, Quincy. Really appreciate that. <laughs> hey, take it easy, man. Again, he, he's going, going from Beale Street 
to right here in Vegas, baby. He, he, he knows. He, this man's going to know how to do. From Beale Street to New York to Vegas. Oh, man. I, 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 that's a big city, man. That's going to have some fun. Okay, we'll have Justin Pugh next. Uh, Jay Glazer a little bit later. He got pushed back. Justin Pugh coming up next. Uh, getting a... Uh, a few comments, questions right here in the chat. Man, we, we got some uh, some Niners, Chiefs fans. Yes. Hey, ELE, y'all. ELE, it's a stack in the box. We love everyone. Yeah. We love everyone here. Mm -hmm. we, you know, if you're if you're a Niner fan, you're welcome here. Yep. You're welcome mm -hmm. here. Um, yeah, Flapjack, I did ask that. I didn't even see that. So you're going to ask the dude, did everyone in the locker room really believe Rodgers is coming back this season? There you go, man. You just got that. Got your yeah. answer. Yeah, that, that was an interesting situation. I actually really feel for those um, defensive players because they were on the field so much. They were so excited because the defense was electric the year prior. Yeah. The defense was so good, but the offense, just like, if they got a quarterback, if they got a quarterback, they were going to take that next step. I truthfully thought that when Aaron Rodgers became yeah. a Jet, I go, they are a legit threat. Always, you know, you know, Sterling? The, the Jets have a championship-level defense, but it's their offense that's just anemic at times where it's like, you know, they're going to do something, but then it's like, okay, Zach Wilson is like so hesitant to throw the football and not get it to your playmakers like Sauce Gardner and those guys. I mean, even, you know, even Wilson, like getting those playmakers. I mean, the Jets have a championship-level defense. It's just their offense that needs to be better. Yeah, uh, and that's why I think if you are a – jet player right now yeah. you'd see how palpable his excitement was for yeah. next season right. you see what it means when you have a hall of fame quarterback again whatever your thoughts are on rogers he's a hall of fame quarterback absolutely we saw what he did his last year in green bay fine i get it may have been a little little down right that, that's still good enough to take them at least at least to the playoffs. So if you are a jet if you are a player especially on the defensive side of the ball yeah i think you gotta be it's pretty damn excited we're we're going from uh from New York to New York, New York now. from Jet just, to Giant. Yeah, yeah. Justin oh, Boo, no. Justin <laughs> Boo. <laughs> no, I don't. The Jets don't bother me one bit. My guy Nate Hackett, the offensive coordinator. I got to cheer for him a little bit, even though they're the crosstown rivals. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just, just, a little just, bit, a little bit. just a little bit. I was just near here with Love Sack. What's your? Uh, what are you guys doing with Love Sack? Yeah. So obviously I've been I partnered up with Love Sack. So I played against the Buffalo Bills earlier this year. I was sitting on my couch. I was sitting on my love sack, the new stealth technology. I got speakers in the couch, subwoofers. Oh, it oh my, nice. I just had a, a baby two weeks ago. My in-laws. Congratulations, in, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. I got my I have my uh, in-laws. It turned into a queen size bed. It does it all. I didn't really I was real comfortable. I didn't want to get off the couch but the Giants called me and said, hey, we need you to come play in Sunday night football. <laughs> so I do the player intro, and instead of saying Justin Pugh, Syracuse, I say Justin Pugh straight off the couch. <laughs> and everyone was asking me, they're like, what couch were you sitting on? I was like, I was sitting on a love sack. And that's how the partnership was born. Can you say anything you want on those intros as far as, obviously you said, I'm not anything. Within not reason, anything. I was going to say, yeah. within reason. Because it used to always be, you know, your college, and then it went to the U, and then it went to high school, and then you hear elementary, and now straight off the couch. I think if, if within reason, if you're having fun with it, everything's fair game. It allows us to show our personality. Offensive linemen, that's all we get before they call us for a hold or we show <laughs> us that we let up a sack. So the fact that I could be like, have one moment to make everybody laugh, oh, that shows yes. everyone who I am. What was that like, man, getting that call? 
getting that call like, hey, we need you now. Yeah. C come on back. It all kind of was serendipitous because the, the, Card or the Cardinals, the Giants came out to play the Cardinals. I live in Arizona right now. They had an injury to the left guard, and they called me, hey, we're in your backyard. Would you want to come try out for the team? So I went down to Arizona State where they were practicing because they are playing the 49ers the next week. So sure, they were right. staying in Arizona that week. I do a workout, show them I'm healthy. I tore my ACL the previous season. Mm -hmm. And then from there, they're like, all right, we saw you work out. You look great. Come be on our practice squad. We're not going to guarantee you a dime. And I went and I played on the practice squad at first. Then I got called up, played in yeah. that Bills game, and then got a deal done. Nice, man. man. I'm like, a, did, like did, did, an did, everyday did, guy, just sitting <laughs> on his couch, drinking a beer, and then playing on Sunday Night Football like the next week. It was like Matt Moore was a high school football. And they're like, all right, yeah, we need a backup quarterback. Matt Moore, come on through. Exactly. <laughs> it's easy. Just just give the Giants a call when you're sitting on the couch. Make sure it's a love sack, and then they're going to sign you. Boom. Yeah. Hey, Justin, speaking of Syracuse, you, you played at Syracuse University. What was it like to play in the Carrier Dome? What was it like? It's unbelievable. I mean, when it's rocking and we were winning my last few years when we were at Syracuse, you can't hear anything. And it prepares you for the NFL because the NFL is loud. But the diehard fans up in Central New York, most people are familiar with the, the Bills Mafia. A lot of those same fans are Syracuse yeah. fans. You get up there for a football or a basketball game and it gets rocking, it is a hostile environment. And my Syracuse Orange are looking good. We just got a transfer from Ohio State. We're getting transfers from Alabama. It is a nice. good time to be an Orange fan. Well, also Tommy DeVito, he went to Syracuse, right? My, a little gobble-gobble, man. You got yeah, that yeah, right, of course, uh -huh. of course. <laughs> what, what, what was that like, obviously? didn't lap over at all as yeah. far as your time at I'm a little bit older a little just a couple of years yeah. a couple of years but still it's kind of got to have a little fun to have your uh, alumni on your team and now starting quarterback I was cheering for him when he was the quarterback at Syracuse and then yeah. we both started on the practice squad and we were in the scout team huddle and he was running the quarterback for the scout team and I walk in there and like I'm like I'm 11 years in I played like 100 plus games in the NFL started them all yeah. so I'm like all right guys you're a bunch of young guys like all right everyone make sure like we break the huddle my big thing is like everyone get in here tight like we're a team and then we're gonna break the huddle as loud as we can like yeah. and like it all starts with intimidation like the little giants the movie sure i yeah. believe that's how you win football games yeah. so i get in there and i'm like kind of like hyping the guys up and then all of a sudden this little like italian guy wall team's like what's up guys like we're gonna run this play and i'm like who is this 23 year old and lo and behold four weeks later he's a starting quarterback for the new york giants yeah, and playing great yeah, the Little Giants with uh, Ed O'Neill and and, uh, and uh, Rick Moranis yep. in 94. I, I stole a little line from them. Hey, it's all right. Yeah, it's they, okay. a bit. The Little Giants are the big giants. <laughs> wow. Um, who's the toughest line, the, the toughest lineman you had to face um, this season? Well, who was the toughest in, in your mind? Aaron Donald, bar none. Aaron Donald's mm -hmm. the best defensive lineman. He's a game wrecker. He's a game changer. I hate him and love him all at the same time because without him, they wouldn't be paying guards what they're paying guards. So he's like, he is my, our generation's Lawrence Taylor. He's changed yeah, the game for right. the better, um, the better for everyone except offensive guards. Sure. And, and he does an unbelievable job. So he, he's definitely the best. Yeah, when you see Joe Tuna get that contract, you're like, thanks, Aaron Donald. Thank you. 100%. <laughs> when it comes to the offensive line, what separates good offensive linemen from great offensive linemen? What allows a guy to play as long as you've played in the NFL? It's not one guy. It's five guys. And that is sure. that is the biggest difference between a good offensive lineman and a great offensive lineman. When you love the guys you play with and you know where they're from and their story and what they like to do and the charities they support, you play harder for that guy. It's just like in the real world. Sure. If you are working with somebody and you have a great relationship, it makes it easier to work with them. Right. And that's the gelling of the offensive line is what makes them look so good. And if you play for a while with each other, like like this Chiefs offensive line or, yeah. or former Giants offensive lines that had so much success, they loved each other, they, played with, they ate dinner with each other, so that's where I think it kind of separates the two, good to great.
So how was it to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire um, Celebrity <laughs> Edition, huh? How did you find that one? That is unbelievable. So I work with um, Shriners Hospitals for Children mm -hmm. and got selected to go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So I got to go on the show and I'm nervous as heck because I don't, you know, if you get asked a question that's easy and you don't know it, you're going to embarrass yourself. Right. Terry Crews is the host of the time and we drive up there and mm -hmm. we go to the show and all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm down to my last lifeline and I have $10,000 for the charity and the question is like a, a question about an actor in a movie and I don't know the answer and I'm like, Terry Crews is like, well, you have 20000 if you walk away. Ten thousand. If you if you guess wrong, you, you go, it goes down to ten thousand. Sure, He's like, sure. Why don't you just guess and you make up the difference? You donate the extra ten thousand. So Terry Crews is like, just pick one. And I'm like, well, I know it's not C. And it was like whatever the guy's name sure. was. That ends up sure. being the answer. So the only one I eliminated myself was the answer. <laughs> I get booted off the show. Terry Crews, you know, I, I, I bucked up and paid the difference. He put you on the spot. Right me, what was I going to say? I'm not going to give money to Sorry, Terry. I'm on, done. <laughs> so, Terry Crews, if you're out there, you still owe me $10,000. Still owes you 10K, huh? <laughs> Come on, Old Spice. <laughs> uh, as far as the Chiefs' tackles go, it was obviously well-documented, their penalties this season. Yeah. As an offensive lineman, I think specifically I'll go with Juwan Taylor here. He went from Jacksonville. It wasn't obviously quite as televised. The Jags aren't the same echelon right now as the Chiefs are. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden he comes to Kansas City, flag, flag, flag. And a lot of it was stuff he was still doing in Jacksonville. What does that do mindset-wise for an offensive lineman? You're like, I'm doing the same thing I've always done, exactly. and all of a sudden now I can't yeah. do it? Well, I can speak to that to a T. My first game against Buffalo, I didn't know the silent cadence, and it's so nuanced. The center puts his head between his legs, and he brings it up, and as soon as he brings his head up, he snaps the ball. So the tackle looks in, and as soon as the center brings his head up, he turns and sets to try to block the defensive yeah. end. Let's start with, we're going backwards, and Von Miller and Khalil Mack and Bosa get to go forwards. It's yeah. not a fair fight. No. They're more athletic. We don't know where the quarterback is. They have every advantage. <laughs> so the one thing that we try to get is snap count. And if Jawan's gotten away with it for the last five, six years, right. now all of a sudden he did get away with it the first game, yeah. and the whole world went crazy. So, of course, Lane Johnson gets it all the time in Philadelphia, too. But if it's split second, the refs give us a split second. So penalties are part of it. You only talk about offensive linemen when they get penalized. Mm -hmm. Our job is so freaking hard. Cut us some slack here, NFL. But everyone wants to see production. They want to see their favorite DN get a sack. So sure, I feel sure. for those guys because it is such a tough position. I so, oh, go ahead, Malcolm. So you mentioned you mentioned linemen as being the toughest position in the NFL. What's so tough about it, and what's the easiest part? The toughest part is it's five guys working as one. So if I do my job, and or I don't do my job, and the other four guys do. We look bad. If one guy lets up a sack, it looks like the offensive line is. I will say defensive back is probably the hardest position. Yeah. Then offensive line, we're in very mm -hmm. similar boats. Right. Defensive backs, you're working in conjunction with the whole field, though. We're only in like a tight foam booth. So both of those are very tough. The hardest part is when you're down in the game, mm -hmm. they know you're going to throw it, and right. it's just one-on-one -on -one pass rush. Right. And all those guys have to do is beat you once, and they have a Hall of Fame career. You get beat once a game for a sack, you're getting fired, you're going back to the love sack, sitting on right. the couch. <laughs> the best part is when you're up in a game and you get to run the ball and they can't stop it. That's yeah. the best part. Man, man. Steve Spagnuolo is very unique in the way he blitzes. Yeah. What does that do for an offensive lineman having to try to adjust? Obviously now you're not just worried about Chris Jones, yeah. Not, yeah. Now you have to worry about Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed, Willie Gay Jr., all yeah. these guys. 
hell, they'll send a safety sometimes. What's that do for an offensive lineman? Yeah, you lose sleep over it. And I, I had Spags in New York. He actually was oh, the yeah. interim head coach when uh, when I was there my last season. So I know him very well. He's He gives offensive coordinators sleepless nights time and time again. He's going to have a plan to stop the run game of San Francisco because if San Fran starts running the ball, it could be a long day because they'll keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. Yep. So it it – Starts this mind battle, but Shanahan's also one of the best, if not best, play caller in the NFL. That's the matchup right there. Do you have an X factor outside of Mahomes or Purdy? Who you think is going to really have a big um, impact in this game on Sunday? Here we go. Trent Williams, left tackle. Maybe the best left tackle of all time. He is dominant in the run game. So be alert on the must-have-it situations. 49ers running to the left behind Trent Williams. The dude is a beast. I think he wins a Super Bowl, retires on top. All right, someone in the comments asked a hand size check. They say you have some massive hands. Oh, man, I don't I don't know if I like this. Wow. Oh, dude, Malcolm. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, Mal Malcolm out here has some mitts, and we had no idea. Yeah. All right, now you're going to come play offensive line for the New yeah, York Giants next line. year. Come on dude, now. Like, I mean, come on now. that's just – and I'm laughing because I, we always do the, the – you know when they, they do the quarterback combines yep. and you see the hands? So I got nine-inch hands. Which is normal size. That's Joe Burrow size. Speaking of giant, look, look, look at that. I mean, well, the, the, Ma well, when me and Matt got, shake hands, yeah. we're all the way up it's, the forearm tough. right there. Yeah. We're messing around. I'm telling you, Justin. Like, like Giants wise, I've never been to a Giants game, and, 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 and I used to live in New York, but I never got a chance to really grow, go to a Giants game. Malcolm, you're killing me. You're at, killing at, me. At Mad Life, never. Not even. <laughs> really all right, how about close. this? You, you come to a game next year. I'm on the team. We'll get you to a game. But if not. We just heard FIFA, the World Cup, the final at MetLife Stadium. Like, that's a good time to get to there as well. I would well. love to come to a game next year. All right, perfect. Just tell Joe Shane, Joe Shane, re-sign me. We yeah. can get everyone to a game over here. Absolutely. Joe, Joe Shane, you better resign him. If you don't, Malcolm's going to be sad. Look yeah. at those hands. Sad. Look at those yeah, hands, yeah, Joe. Look at hands, Joe. I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> he might be, play left guard. Maybe no right yeah. tackle. He'll, he'll go with you. Perfect. Same side. Yeah. Same side. Absolutely. You'll, get, you'll get his back. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, final question because I always find this interesting. You talked about the offensive production, how hard it is to be an offensive lineman. It feels like they don't get the love they deserve. I've joked about this, and now it's coming to a serious thought I have. There needs to be a fantasy football for offensive linemen. I honestly think it would get people more involved and more intrigued by the offensive line. So are we starting it right Let's now? Start. Let's start I, it I'm right sure now. I, start. <laughs> I, I, I believe this firmly because the offensive line, without a good offensive line, your team's you're, it's, it's toast. You're done. Yep. And again, you mentioned mm -hmm. you don't get love. You only get hate. But let's try and give the offensive line some love. Let's give them fantasy football, and we can find a way to score. I don't know. I have no idea how you score it, but we'll figure it out. We'll get into like the incubator. We'll yeah, figure this thing we'll out. We'll sit on the love sack. It's, oh, <laughs> we're never. But the thing is, guys, we're never gonna leave. The stealth tech. What are you gonna do? You got the speakers, the subwoofers. You're sitting there watching the offensive linemen only. I mean, it's the best. We gotta. You know who we gotta get involved? AQ Shipley over from Pat McAfee's show. Yeah, that's what he he does. He does the in the trenches, breaking down offensive line play. So maybe we figure out a way. We're on to something now. We are. Hey, we'll talk. Yeah. My people talk to your people. Done deal. Done. Justin, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Phenomenal job, man. Appreciate you having. Appreciate you being on with us today, man. This is great. And we'll, we'll get the Giants to resign you just for this, okay? Absolutely. That's 100%. It. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Justin. Hey, appreciate it. Take it easy, man. Uh, You're welcome, Justin. That's awesome. All right, guys. I love appreciate offensive it. linemen. You, oh, come on. Come on. See the handshake. It's just. It goes all the way up here. Come on, man. See you, Justin. Oh, man. See, now, now he's showing off with the yeah, mitts. Justin. Now he's showing off. There's no knucks. There's no yeah, knucks anymore. Awesome. That's just hands. <laughs>
See you, man. I, I will point out, Malcolm might have the biggest mitts I've ever seen on a normal dude. Yeah. Like Johnny Bench yeah. and him could have a competition of how many baseballs they could hold. Yeah. I might take Malcolm. My hands are, are, are huge. Like, like, I have basketball hands here. Yeah, ba basketball. You got offensive lineman hands, offensive, baby. Offensive lineman hands, man. I'm telling you, like, I can hold the rod right now and just run with the football all day. I, I can pull my basketball. That's the yeah. thing. It's not like I have small hands. Right. My hands are huge, and, uh. I, and I can just, I can just hold a football, you know, you know, by, you know, you know, by the by the shape and just and just toss it. Justin Pugh, man, again, offensive lineman for the Giants. Justin Pugh was hands down uh, uh, amazing. That might be my favorite interview you've done today. That that was so much fun. Yeah, me too. Like 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 so far, like Justin Pugh has been amazing today for me. Just so, so entertaining. Maybe. Um, wow, just James Conner is next at 2.15, 2 o'clock. James Conner coming up uh, shortly. Uh, I, can, I can tell there's been a lot of back and forth, but, uh, but man, I, again, I'm actually not kidding. Like, it started off as a joke, but fantasy football for an offensive line, I don't know how you would score it, but there needs to be a way to get it involved because I'm sick and tired of offensive lines not giving the love they deserve. Not getting the credit and the love that, you know, that – that you know, that it's due absolutely, sir. And you I, only get I'm, the hate. I'm I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. Offensive linemen in the game today should get the love that they deserve, and it's unfortunate that they don't get the love that they, you know, they're not getting the credit that 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 they're due for. And, and when it comes down to it, too, Kansas City has been fairly lucky, right? I think if you're an offensive lineman in Kansas yeah. City, because they've had a lot of great offensive lines, right? I think if you're my age, I'm 29. You go back to, you know, Will Shields, Brian Waters, right? Like, you go back, Willie Rove, so you, Casey yeah. Wigman. And then you even had a lot of great offensive lines post. But you grew up with an offensive line that was celebrity status yeah. in Kansas City. Right. And, and you don't have that everywhere. And so I, I just sit back and I'm, I'm going, how can we make this more understandable for right. people? Um Fantasy football for O-lines. That's the way to do it. No one take my idea. I'm TMing it. This is trademarked. <laughs> Trade. Hey, Richard, get on it. I, I have no idea. Albert Einstein could, could do all those TMs. Now it's my turn. Okay? I'm not saying I'm Einstein, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I have anything in common besides a mustache with the guy. <laughs> all right, James Conner coming James up Conner next. Coming you excited up. to talk with him? I can't wait to speak with James Conner. I I talked to him. I talked to him last year at uh, at the role last year. You did. I did. What all did you ask him? Um, I'll make sure to not ask I, the same uh, questions. I, I asked him about his about his experience, you know, in college, you know, transitioning from college to the NFL as a as a running back. I mean, you know, I asked him that. I asked him about his uh, about his uh, about his uh, about his uh, his his uh, his uh, his prediction for the game last year. You know, I like just. Just you know, just talking about the X's and O's, you sure. know, from the Chiefs and the Eagles last year. I mean, James Conner was a phenomenal uh, person to talk to last year. Yeah, no, I'm very, very excited to get to talk to him very quickly. I'm going to ask a question off air to Hunter, so I apologize. Uh, who's James Conner brought to us by? Circle K. We have a drink to check out too. Oh, oh, I'm all in, James Conner. Circle K and we get drinks, dude. Wow. Can you say all in? Hey, what happened to the the M&M peanuts I got earlier? Dan Marino gave me peanuts and 
What happened? Whatever happened to your peanuts there, Storm? No, I won't eat them on it. I'm not. But when Dan Marino gives you peanuts, you're look at those hands. You see those hands? I these are my favorites. You like peanut butter, pe uh, peanut butter M Ms over over traditional M Ms or peanut? Oh yeah, dude. I'm peanut M Ms. Yeah, I'm peanut butter. Peanut, peanut butter. I mean, peanut butter M Ms. They're I'm, I'm top tier. Butter, I'm, pe I'm peanut butter M Ms all, all day long. Uh, right here, we guy says we love our O lines in KC. I got a picture of Trey and Creed's back to school and their Jack Stack T-shirts on my desk at work. And I don't even live in KC, so it definitely turns. So yeah, yeah, man. Um, so true though. I mean, just like I, I love the fact that the Chiefs understand. A lot of Chiefs fans understand the full picture and not just hyper focused on Madden or fantasy football. I, I it's wish been an all issue. the other teams would, you know, would follow the Chiefs. Um, blueprint, you know, just mm. have respect for the offensive linemen and not base it off of okay Madden or you know or, or FanDuel or, or you know or these other things, you know, and just yeah. res you know just pay respect to the offensive linemen. You know, they they deserve all the credit in the world. All right, next question I have. Whenever James Conner comes up, right here from Savannah says, when Conner comes up, ask for a stiff arm tutorial. We can do that. Savannah, you've had some good questions. You're making me look like an idiot each time, but you've had some good questions. I'll grant you that. I'm loving your questions, Savannah. I don't know if I love them or if I'm, um, I, I love them. Let's be real. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. You're making me look like a, a buffoon, if you will. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if that's what it takes, I'll look like a buffoon for it. Hey, hey, hey. It's all, you know, it, it's all about having fun. That, that, that's why we're here. And I'm having an absolute blast. Yeah, me too. Here with you, Malcolm. I've been having a blast too, Sterling. This, this is amazing, and it's gonna get even better. You know, tomorrow's gonna get better. Every day's better. Today's gonna, you know, every every minute. Every minute's gonna get exciting. I mean, you know, you just you just never know what's gonna happen. Again, we are here giving you guys live Super Bowl coverage from Radio Row. We are unified coverage, Special Olympics and fan sided. Malcolm and myself. I'm not gonna lie, this football. I really wanna play catch with you. I, I'm, I'm really looking to, to try and throw the pigskin. Yeah, it's not like pigskin. I think it's more of a, yeah, it's a, a leather skin. hybrid, it, it, maybe, yeah, rubberish. It, yeah, it's more rubber, rubber, rubberish. I would say rubber-esque. Actually, you know, you have to like <laughs> throw, you know, throw the whole pigskin. Here we go with James Conner now. Oh, James Conner. James Conner. I remember hey, James you from Sterling, last man. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. I can tell him not to open it. Yeah, don't do it. How did your been? Don't open it? Oh, man. I was, I was trying to take a swig of that bad boy. I know James <laughs> Conner is here with Circle K. What you got rocking with Circle K? Man, just with that new Mountain Dew, the Purple Thunder. You know, you can get at the local Circle K, get you a six-pack, 12-pack, Super Bowl party drink, you know, Mountain Dew Purple Thunder. Wow. What, what uh, flavor? It's a uh, berry plum. Yeah, berry. I mean, come on, how exclusive can it get? Man, you know? <laughs> come on, you're making me want to drink this right now. You can take a sip. Just found it. You're, you're, just found it. Yeah. Oh, James, I, I, I'm so glad. I'm so honored to talk to you again. Just like a year ago, I mean, yep. you know, at the row, and you know, I, I want to ask you, like, what's the easiest and hardest part of being a running back? Why just share that a little bit? Uh, the easiest part, man, is uh, what's the easiest part? Uh, the easiest part is just get to doing what you love to do. You know, I just love playing the game and stuff. And, uh, and so it's a blessing to be able to do what I love to do and uh, play the position that I love to play. Uh, man, the hardest part about it is, um, man, 
football is, a, is, is, is 11 on 11. So the hardest part is probably just, you know, being being a one for the team and uh, being accountable for him, you know, because it takes work day in and day out. Week after week, you got to be that guy, that RB1, you know, to keep moving the chains and keep the team going forward. So, uh, but it's a blessing and all. You played defensive end as well in, yes, in high school. Yeah. Was yeah. there ever a thought of being a defensive end? For sure. You know, that's what I committed to the University of Pittsburgh for is to play really? defensive end. Yeah. That's what I got my scholarship for. But um, so I got a scholarship as a junior in high school as a defensive end, and I committed. But then my senior year, I was playing running back. They called and said, hey, when you get here. I see 1,680 yeah. yards. They're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that worked out. Oh, speaking, yeah. speaking of speaking of speaking of college like talk about the transition from 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 being a college running back to now in the nfl like talk about that transition and how difficult that is man it's just uh everything just gets taken up a level you know when you get to the nfl it's uh every team is good you know in college you have those those teams where you feel like you can maybe just beat them with no problem you know but that's not the case in the nfl so it's just a full-time job and just being ready um it's just a different level of ball uh, before we talk about Arizona, I want to talk about your time in Pittsburgh really quickly. I've always had just immense respect for Mike Tomlin. I think his, mm -hmm. his record of never having a losing season. Incredible, ring, yeah. Ring, I mean, it's just absurd to me. What was it like having Mike Tomlin as a head coach? Oh, man, it was awesome. You know, you just uh, you learn so much, you know, about life, you know, aside from being a, a better football player. Um, so Coach T is just awesome, man. He's a leader of men. He's really consistent, um, loyal, you know, so – you know, Coach T, man, it's just somebody that you uh, that you that you can count on, and he'll be there for you for sure. Man, James, I you've dealt with adversity um, in your you know in your life and also as a player. What's your advice for those that are that are going that are dealing with adversity? Yeah. Like, what would you say to those uh, that are dealing with it as we speak? Man, I would just say that it's temporary, you know, and it's it's, it's better on the other side. You know, you got to keep pushing. Life is hard sometimes. You got to do hard things. You know, but um, that's where the reward is. You know, you got to earn it. You got to earn it, man. So I would just tell them, keep going, man. And uh, it's temporary. The hard times right now in life is, is just temporary, and it's better days ahead. We, we got a fun question on the chat right here. I, I'm told to ask you for a stiff arm tutorial. Uh, you, don't, don't, you don't have to do it to me, but. Uh, yeah, Mal, what about you guys? Can I show the stiff arm on you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with you. No. <laughs> So that's what we got. That's that's what we doing right now. The stiff arm. Don't ask you for a stiff arm. No, man, you're not gonna get me. Yeah. Uh, I am gonna say you went over a thousand yards for the first time in your career. Obviously, week 18. Yeah. Huge week for you. Yeah. What was that for you going into week 18? Obviously, was that a, a pretty big goal of yours to get to? Yeah, 1K? for sure. Just but, knowing, uh, just knowing that it was within reach, you know. And um, man, I just had to lean on my teammates truthfully because, like I said, it's 11 on 11. But man, the offensive line, the tight ends, everybody just blocking so hard and. Uh, after being in the league, you know, seven years, like never having got that yet, I'm like, man, you know, I know I'm, I'm more than capable, you know, but uh, yeah, needed like a hundred some yard. I think it was like 110 or something like that yeah, going into the game, and uh, to get it, man, it's just a blessing, you know. Just uh, I put the work in, and and that's what you get. That's the result. Yeah. So, is there a player as a kid that you modeled your game after? Like, yeah. Like, like did you have like 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 players you grew up as a kid that you like just modeled your game? tried to just emulate and if so who are those players that, that that you tried to emulate your game after growing up i would say um you know a lot of a lot of pieces to it i always loved how ray lewis approached the game you know just with his intensity and his passion so i take that part of his game um marshawn lynch the way he runs you know i love beast mode 
you know, always been, I was a Cowboys fan growing up. So, you know, just watching Emmitt Smith just dominate, you know, and just rushing, being an all-time leader in Russia, that's inspiring in itself. So I would say some of those guys for sure would be my inspiration. This feels like it was your best season in the NFL. Five yards per carry, first year over 1,000. Yeah. Um, you're a workhorse too. 208 carries in 13 games is yeah. it's pretty unheard of in today's NFL. Do you take pride in being there, even when you are banged up, even when you go through these injuries, going out there and going 20 plus carries? Yeah. And effective 20 plus. It's not, it's not no just a, a 20 for, for 60. It's, it's right. just 20 for 100. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. It's, um, man you, you, the opportunities are limited in itself, you know. You only get 17, and so you know you actually have to fight through some injuries, and you know you have to, you know, just deal with some things. But the opportunities are slim, man. So I just want to be available and be ready, and uh, and be that be that back that they expect me to be for the team. How has the position changed since the start of your career? Like, how has the running back position evolved? You know, since you've been playing. Man, um, I think they say it evolves just because there's so many different styles, you know, but there's some guys who are still traditional with it, some guys who are more of pass catchers, some guys who are still speedsters. I only can be me and just play my game, you know what I mean? So uh, I just play how what got me here to this level, a physical brand of football, you know, um, and just try to be available and be the best, you know, receiving back and pass protecting back I can be. You know, so I think everybody has a different style. You just got to know your style and play it well. How hard is it pass protecting as a running back in the NFL? I think that's one of the more underrated aspects of what yeah. makes good running backs great, right? Absolutely. You take pride in being a great pass protector. Yeah. But I think especially as a young player, that's one of the first things they need to do to get onto the field. Exactly. How do you grow and get better as a pass protector? Man, you grow and get better by being one of those young guys who wasn't on the field because they didn't know what he was doing, <laughs> you know? Uh, man, like, they, they couldn't put me in the game if I didn't know how to protect Ben Roethlisberger, you yeah. know what I mean? So it was a, it was a growing, growing pains for sure with that. Um, but that's the difference with separates them. You know, you got to be willing to step up there and uh, be unselfish and, and make a play for somebody else when you're not getting the ball. Yeah. So let's talk about the matchup on Sunday between the Chiefs and Niners. What's your um – What's your thought on the on the matchup, and who's your X factor outside of Mahomes and Purdy? Um, I think I got KC taking it. I think I got them winning it. Um, the X factor for both teams, I feel like Chris Jones on the defensive line making a, a game wrecking play. You know, maybe a sack fumble or something like that. And then obviously on uh, San Fran, I got to go with uh, McCaffrey, just explosive run or explosive receiving catch or something like that to, to shift the dynamic of the game. Yeah, talking about those two running backs, they're very different, right? You know, Christian McCaffrey's a little bit of everything, right? And Pacheco's yeah. very physical. Yeah. I have zero idea how he runs like that and yeah. still is, <laughs> is so effective. Yeah. But, but what do you look at with those two guys in particular? Man, just game changers. Um, the last couple of games, Pacheco's been closing it out. You know, yeah. that four-minute offense late in the game. And then uh, McCaffrey just, you know, having three, four touchdowns a game, it seems like, you know, they just get him the ball any way they can. So uh, I just see two backs who really love the game and uh, who, who are very talented and work extremely hard. And that's why they're both on this biggest stage. And so uh, may the best team win. Yeah. Do you have a favorite restaurant in Arizona? Favorite restaurant in AZ, what I have to say that would be, what I love out there. Uh... I don't know, man, even though I've been there going on three years, I'm still kind of trying out a whole bunch of new yeah. spots, man. So the steakhouses out there are really good. All the, you know, the top brands are good. Um, you know, the sushi spots is pretty good. I'm still trying new restaurants, so I'm sure I'll see you here <laughs> next year and I'll have an answer for you. Awesome, James, sounds good. Yeah. What is the future looking like for you? What, what are plans, as well, also as well as Kyler Murray, healthy? Mm -hmm. There was a spark at the end of the year. I, I kept going back yeah. and telling folks, 
Kyler Murray is a massive difference maker on that Cardinals team. You just see what they look like. Yeah. Uh, what does it look like for you going forward as well as the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, man, uh, Spark for sure at the end. And, and, and Kyler, obviously, he's a guy there. You know, he's more than capable of taking it all the way over. Um, but we'll see. You know, I got another year left on my contract, one year left on it. And, uh, you know, give it everything I got. And obviously would love to stay out in AZ. I made it home. You yeah. know, it's, it's home base for me for now. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, take it one day at a time and everything will happen for a reason. Is there anything you're, you're, you're looking to improve upon during the offseason? Man, every every level, every category. You know, the endurance, the ball security, the, the catching, the footwork. You know, as soon as you get satisfied in this league, that's when you start to decline. So right. got to stay on it. When it comes to the combine, we were talking to a couple of the young guys out here, Michael Penix Jr. We were talking to uh, Rome, you know, and it just yeah. it's, it's very interesting because they're both they all talk about we got to get ready for the draft and for the combine, but the combine is unlike anything. Yeah. How did you go through that of, of trying to get ready for the combine while also understanding you're not going to be running to 40 yards without pads on? You're, you're not going right. to be doing all these drills with no pads on. How, how yeah. do you find that line? Man, you just, just understanding what's expected of you and what's required. You know, just being in the moment, being present in that moment and realizing I got to get ready because this is what they want to see. They want to see me bench press 225. They want to see me run a 40-yard dash, do the yeah. cone drills, and it'll be some interviews. You know what I mean? So uh, make sure your mental is sharp for the interview. That's what I did. And, uh, you know, try to put up as 225 many times as I could. You know, <laughs> go, to the, go to the drills, run the 40. And just do it required. And knowing sure. that's not, you know, the, the game, you know, the film tells it all. But uh, just being in that moment and just going through the experience, you know, it's a blessing to be at the combine. So yeah. it's, uh, it's long, but trying to enjoy it as best as possible. Did you get any weird questions at the combine? Though? Always the rumors of the weird ones. Yeah, there's always rumors of the weird ones. I didn't, thankfully, I didn't get nothing too crazy. But I've heard <laughs> some off-the-wall stories that almost can't even repeat. So I don't even know how that go works. But, no, nah, thankfully, I didn't get no nothing wild. James Conner again yeah, right James here Conner. with Circle K, baby. Yeah. The Purple Thunder. The Purple Thunder, man. Mountain Dew. Like I said, it's a Super Bowl drink, the party drink. Local Circle K, they got them. So go grab the Purple I Thunder. I think grab some. Maybe a little yeah. mix it right here yeah. on, on the Vegas Strip, you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe walk hey. down the Vegas Strip with a little mixed drink right there. Just be smart, brother. <laughs> James Conner. Thank you so much. No doubt. Appreciate y'all. Hey, thanks so much, bro. James. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, James. Hey, good luck next year as well. Good luck next year, James. I don't know, man. You might might need to leave that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give that a try one. Yeah, circle K. Give it a try. All right. Uh, Thanks, guys. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, always fun, man. So how was that? You talked to James Conner last year. Talked to him again this year. It's great catching up with him, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I do think the Cardinals are legitimately a team um, that have a lot of potential. They have a lot of potential. They have a lot of pieces. They just got to keep Kyler Murray healthy. And Jonathan Gannon, coach for Arizona, you know, it's a, you know, it was his first year. He, you know, he, you know, he's learning a lot on the fly. So, you know, give him, you know, give him at least a couple, more, you know, give him another year, and Arizona's going to be a team that's going to get ten in the NFC West. I, I really do believe that Kyler Murray, at least for right now, is the right guy in Arizona. Yeah. I, I think we got so caught up in the Call of Duty story. Yeah. We got so caught up in the contract. We forgot of how, right. how talented a player he really is. I know injuries were always going to be a question mark at his size. But when you look at what he does when healthy, and you also look around the NFL, yeah. Joe Burrow's a big dude. Yeah. He's getting injured a lot. Um, right. 
I, I think you take a chance on a guy who's as big as a game changer as Kyler. You kind of look at what Kyler did in college as well at Oklahoma. He was yeah. the same way. You you know, you can go back to Jalen Hurts as well, same way. Built the same way, you know. You know, it's just you gotta stay healthy in the NFL, you know, in order to in order to win championships, honestly. If you don't you're not healthy if you don't stay healthy, you're not gonna win. You're yeah. gonna struggle. Man, it's been a fun day. It's been a long day. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I think he liked, he liked my idea. He, he, he told me to, uh, what, what are you looking at over there, Richard? Oh, different camera. Uh, I'm doing stuff. Sorry, <laughs> I, got, I got caught. I got, I, you got sidetracked. I got That's sidetracked. What? I mean, I am like a squirrel. Yeah. A in fairness, I'm very much like exactly. a squirrel. I, I, I did say, uh, one, one of my friends texted me and said, a drunk guy is climbing the sphere and then tagged me. Um, <laughs> I hate that this is my brand now. Oh boy. I oh hate boy. that this is my brand and no, as I am here on Radio Row, twas not I that was the guy climbing. How do you climb the sphere? It's circular. Yeah, that, you couldn't climb, you couldn't climb the sphere. It, it, it's going to be difficult, especially. It's so, you know, all those lights you have up there and everything, it's going to be tough. I already told you, man, I don't like heights. That right there should tell you, ain't me. Uh, working on getting who the next guest is going to be. Talk between Jay Glazer, talk between John Runyon. Uh, we'll see, but uh, either way, you know it's going to be fun. It, it, hey, it will be. Tell you what, I wouldn't mind another offensive lineman. I like this offensive line talk. Yeah, I love offensive line talk as well. Uh, all right, going back to the, uh, what, what is this right here? A uh, couple more questions. Uh, no, man. Um, I, 49ers fans right now, you got to calm down. It's all love. Chiefs fans, calm down. It's all love right now. We're on stacking the boxes. Yeah, it's love. It, it, it's, all, it's all love right now. It's all love, definitely. It's a, it, it's a respectful disagreement. Yeah. Be respectful. Yeah. Respectful disagreement. Nobody's crying if the Chiefs lose or if the Niners lose. lose. Come exactly. on now in the YouTube chat. It's all, it's we all ain't peaceful. doing it's that. Just, it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a game. That just means a, a lot. Yeah. And maybe the game that means the most. most. And it's the last game of the season, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. man. Radio Row has been an absolute blast. Yes. Everyone walking by, so many cool things happening. Again, we're looking to see who is coming up next, whether Just it's a lot of John action. Runyon or Jay Glazer. Glazer. All right, going back to the game. As far as coaching, I think the Chiefs have the edge here. Andy Reid has done it. He's been there before. Yeah. But I've also pointed out multiple times now, you know, he had the knock against him that he couldn't get over the hump. Right. You know, he never did with the Eagles and never yep. kept saying, yeah, he's a great regular season head coach, this, that, and the other. But then what happened? He finally won his Super Bowl, yeah, and then he broke I, through. I think it's a little unfair when people kept saying John Harbaugh um, has never done it before, so he'll never do it. Right. I think that's a little That's stressing a little, a little bit unfair. That's a little, that's stressing it to me. But, you know, to piggyback on what you're saying there, Sterling, I, I got to agree with you. Andy Reid has a coaching advantage over the Niners. Andy Reid's been there, done that before. You know, he's not afraid of the moment. He'll get he'll get these guys fired up, ready to go. So, to me, it's like you said. You know, Andy Reid has the has the advantage. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers defense 
came out and said they will not let mistakes continue in the Super Bowl. Words are just words. We will have to see we that in action. see it on the field on Sunday. Obviously, that was against the Detroit Lions. Uh, probably the worst defensive uh, performance we have seen all season long from right. San Fran. Now, don't get me wrong, the Detroit Lions offense is very talented, extremely talented. But end of the day, the Niners, and at the point, at that point at least, the biggest stage they'd played in this year, right. the defense kind of let them down. So right. they say they vow. They're vowing. Ain't going to happen in the uh, Super Bowl. Do you believe them? I, Steve, Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, called it unacceptable I, and embarrassing. Just, to me, I have to see it on the field. War, you know, words are just words. You know, I got to see it on the field to actually, you know, you know, you know, truly believe, you know, it actually is going to happen. So until I see it on the field, you know, I'm not going to believe it until I see it on the field. Uh, they got called out by Wilkes, and again, they talked about the effort, saying it was, uh, again, embarrassing. And but, unacceptable, too. But, but because of those effort issues, days after the NFC Championship game, uh, apparently they were extremely intense. Uh, Javon Hargrave said the entire unit put our heads down because they were so disappointed by what it watched and the accompanying angry words from Steve Wilkes. Uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan also called out his defense what he considered a poor backside pursuit on Detroit run plays. Um, again, Chase Young has been getting the ire of a lot of 49ers fans for some of his pursuit and lack of perceived lack of hustle when it came to some of those run plays. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, I think early and often in that game, you're going to test them and say, how bad do you want it? Yeah. Do you want to win a Super Bowl, or are you trying to get a contract and focusing in on the sacks? On the sacks, exactly. So, so I, you know, so I would say another key, you know, I would say an X factor for me outside of Mahomes and Purdy would be Chase Young. Chase Young, yeah. he has to, you know, he has to step up. Does he really want this ring, or does he want a contract? Yeah, that, uh, that to me is important. Chase Young yesterday declined to go into detail about how that play developed, but he did acknowledge the need to never let such lapses happen again, especially with so much on the line this week. He said, "Quote: The only thing we're worried about is doing our job every play yep. and preparing for the game the best we can. We've got to do a lot better. You're going to see it." this game yeah absolutely all right Chiefs uh, left guard Joe Tooney still hopeful for Super Bowl 58 return but um, again as I said earlier on the Arrowhead Addict podcast which yet again uh, make sure you're following both Arrowhead Addict and Stack in the Box we're going live on Arrowhead Addict um, tomorrow tomorrow um, but uh, the sources I've talked to basically say Joe Tooney will not be able what? to give it a go. Able but again, if anybody could, if anybody could, it would be Joe Tooney. He yeah, is exactly. a uh, tough SOB. Man, that 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 guy has played through broken hands, through yeah, about everything. He's a, he, he's, he's a robot. He's a workhorse. But he's a workhorse. In, in the day, I think you're looking at Nick Allegretti getting the nod God, over over Joe Tooney. Uh, some more questions. I don't understand why the 49ers team keeps talking, like outside of media. Mistakes, complaining about the turf. Um, I'll answer that one. I, I think when you, when you heard about the complaining about the turf, the field at UNLV uh, looked into it a little bit more. Not good. I understand being upset by it. I, I don't consider that as um, out of bounds. Right. Maybe. Now, now, Nick Bosa talking about the holding, on the other hand, 
I think that was a little bit more egregious. I think that was a situation where you let your coaches talk about that. Yeah, let you know, the handle that. And you fluff it up. The reason why you bring that up because you want the refs to take notice of that. Only interesting note is the refs that he's talking about, same refs that they had in the first Super Bowl. So yeah. uh, it's a little interesting now hearing Boza complain about the holding penalties in that regard. Seems to me that should be left for um, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan and the, and, you know, and the offensive coordinator and the, and the defensive coordinators uh, you know, that's their job. Yeah. Let them handle it. You handle what you can handle on the field. You can control what you can control on the field. All uh, the outside stuff, that's the coaches. That's the coaches to the, to to to, to uh, control. Yeah. Uh, one here from Flapjack City says, "Purdy tried bouncing a ball off a DB's head. It'll be an interception." Yeah. I mean, that was a one in a thousand play, but in the day it happened. I I go back and forth on those because you have to have luck to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you do. You, you, you do. Um, any any team, most of the time, that wins a Super Bowl, they had to have had some luck along the way. For and, the 49ers, that, that was their big break. And not only that, you also have to overcome so much adversity just to get to the big game where, you know, all the you know, all the other thirty some odd teams can say, Okay, we didn't you know, we didn't you know, we didn't get it done this year, but next year for sure we're gonna get it done. But the Chiefs and Niners are here you know for a reason. These two teams had to overcome adversity all season long. So that's why they're here. Uh, another comment here on Facebook says, I mean, 20th carry for Pacheco, third quarter, bet Chase Young isn't going to be giving 100%. Again, that, that, that is what I'm intrigued to see is, will the defensive line be wanting? Will the defensive line be wanting to try and bring down Isaiah Pacheco after a heavy dose of him all game long? Uh, you know, the, the, the Niners' defense, I think, is getting a little bit of a better nod than, than they, they should. Than they should. They, they've been a, a fine team, but I, I, I do think they haven't been a great team defensively, which is interesting because when you look at the names of the 49ers' defense, very talented, yeah, extremely talented. But I think the names right now are currently better than the production looking here now trying to find – um, a little bit of the team stats of them defensively here. Give me one moment. You know, you look at the points per game, their their number is is great, right? But when it comes to opponents' yard per rush, 21st in the NFL, giving up 4.3 yards per, per carry. carry. That's got to improve. Uh, when you look at um, opponents' completion percentage, 20th in the NFL. Folks are completing 65% of passes against them. And let's be real now, Patrick Mahomes at the helm, that number's going to be a little bit higher. Yeah, higher than that. Uh, you look at the um, sack percentage, 20th in the NFL. Now, where they do thrive, and you have to give them a lot of credit, they force turnovers. They are second in the NFL. In forced turnovers. And, and on, on pass plays, when it's the pass play, they're second in the NFL, forcing turnovers, or, or at least getting interceptions. Now, Mahomes mm -hmm. almost takes their strength away. Yeah. Like, when you hear what the Niners are good at, you're also looking at what the Chiefs' strength is. is. Mahomes, in the postseason, has had zero. Zero turnover-worthy throws. So you might be great at taking away the football. That's outstanding. 
But the issue is Mahomes ain't going to let you get in that right. opportunity. And if you don't take, if you don't, if you don't force turnovers, if you don't take the ball away, you're not winning. No. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, if you if you don't force turnovers, if you don't get interceptions, you're losing the game. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, I see one here from Kobe makes photos. Uh, says which player will catch the designated lateral from Kelsey in the Super Bowl? Um, I'll go MVS. I'll, I'll go. I'll go MVS with I'm the, go the MVS as well. The, the return of the playoff MVS, the uh, yeah. the arc from regular season struggles to uh, Super Bowl here. That'd, that'd be very entertaining. I don't think Kelsey actually throws a lateral, no, but if he does, well, we'll see. I mean, it, it, you never know. Yeah, if he does. We'll go MVS. Yeah, I'm going to go MVS as well. Uh, see one right here. Boso is trying to pull a Chris Collinsworth for being honest. I think it's a good point. You know, trying to bring light to something. Um, and again, I, I don't have an issue if your coach does it because you heard Steve Spagnolo before they played the Dolphins in Miami bring the fact that, hey, you know, the motion is great, but make sure they're not moving upfield before the ball is snapped. Right. Right. And that was him trying to bring light to maybe they move. Um, I feel a little, a little before they shouldn't. They want the refs to take notice of that. Exactly. If you've played basketball your whole life, a lot of times you'll point to a ref, hey, man, he's holding me here. Take a look at that. Do this. But you don't do it on the national stage if you are a player. No. You leave that for the coaches. And if you're yeah. a player, you bring it to the ref's attention pre and during the game. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, man. Uh Jalen says, I have a hard time believing any player out there wouldn't be given 100%. It's a Super Bowl. I'm 100% I'm with you, man. But also, at the same time, would you do the same thing during the NFC Championship game? I don't know, man. Uh, we will find out who is next. Still trying to get a little bit of updates. We are working on that. John Runyon's next. Perfect. John Runyon in three minutes. minutes. Another what was that? So so we're told we've had a little up and down, fortuitous yeah. roller coaster. Yeah. So it's been a, already been a crazy day on, uh, on yeah. Radio Row. On Radio Row, absolutely. Mm. What's been your favorite part so far? Justin Pugh. Justin, Justin Pugh. Pugh was my favorite. Yeah. So far, you know, in, in the afternoon portion of the interviews so far. Yeah, I, I think so too, man. J just the entertaining fact, although yeah. I will say James Conner was, uh, James Conner was, was absolutely too. great as well. well. Um, again, a little, little news. If you've not heard, uh, BNME made a playoff visit to the Chiefs. Um, no, that's not meaning he's coming back to Kansas City, but a playoff visit to the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes went on to say, it's always great to have EB in the building. Just being there and the energy that he brings and the mentality that he brings, he loves being there. Oh, yeah. We talked about it a little bit earlier on. Don't think the enemy necessarily is coming back to Kansas City because what do you do? Do you kick out Matt Nagy? I don't think you do that. Uh, would the enemy want to take a uh, lesser role here, not as the OC? That remains to be seen. He went to Washington to try and get uh, a chance to move up. Well, one year later, guy is out of a job and not all his fault the washington commanders were a little bit of a dumpster fire right. let's be real now um didn't have a huge chance there but now look out of a job it remains to be seen Do where you like the name commanders or would you have kept it originally to a Redskins? 
I would have kept Washington football team. You would have? I thought Washington football team was, was, was the move, man. Yeah. I thought Washington football team was the way to go. Right. Uh, Puka Nakuka, Puka Nakua walking by yeah, right Puka now. Yeah, walking by. John Runyon. John Runyon is here now. John Runyon Jr., man. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Awesome. I am doing uh, doing great. You're brought doing to great. you, uh, Rogers, right here by uh, by One. Yes, what's sir. What's what's going on with your with your relationship with One right here? Uh, doing great. Uh, you know, I'm a free agent this year, so kind of out here, media row, try to put my name out there, see what's going on, and overall, just kind of enjoy this experience that we have here at uh, Radio Row. Yeah. Uh, I know you played college football at, at Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. How fun was that all of a sudden seeing the Michigan Wolverines win a title this year? That had to be pretty uh, pretty enjoyable. For sure. I had, I had a lot of fun watching this year, and especially these last three seasons where they've made it to the semifinal. Not really done so well, but, you know, I never really gave up on them. I supported them. I had really high hopes going into this year. I thought this really could be the year that they did it, and to watch them – go all the way this year you know it was really cool and uh really cherish that moment and uh you know a lot of Mich michigan people are really happy about it yeah you played with tom brady you were teammates at michigan do you have a do you have a tom brady story you'd like you'd want to share with us now, i don't believe john my Money. dad my dad played with tom brady i didn't play with tom brady <laughs> no yeah so he, i think he's a little young I'm, I'm not gonna lie i think you might be a little uh, little young to play yeah. with uh with tom yeah. my, my dad was teammates with tom at uh michigan but uh Tom did stop by one time, and uh, I was hurt at the time. And uh, he standing over there on the 50-yard line. He brought me over. He talked to me because he knew my dad, and uh, it was a really cool, really cool moment. What was it like all of a sudden this year? Jordan Love now at the helm. You're blocking for a new quarterback. What's that experience like when you have a massive change at, at QB? Yeah, um, Jordan's been in the system. This was his fourth year. Yeah, it was his first year starting. Yeah. But you could tell he really felt comfortable. I don't really don't think there was that big of a transition. If anything, I felt like, you know, the biggest thing we struggled with the Jordan just not having really any real connection or relationship with like the young skill players that we had, you know, the rookies at receiver uh, and the rookies at tight end. And you know, that, that was kind of diff difficult to overcome. But I feel like once he figured that out kind of halfway through the season, every, I think everybody saw the product that was out there. It was unbelievable and everything really started clicking. When it comes to the transition from the college game to the NFL, obviously playing at Michigan, that's a big school. You know what you're you, – they prep you pretty darn well yeah, there, right? Definitely. But But what was the biggest transition for you, offensive line? Because I think that, to me, that and, and maybe quarterback, obviously, the yeah. two hardest positions where you have to sit back and learn and grow is such a different game. What was that transition like for you? Definitely. It is difficult, especially, you know, transitioning from D1 football to pro football, the kind of body types and the types of players, there's a lot bigger, faster, stronger defensive linemen. And, you know, when you're in college, like you're playing a professional, you know, D-end or D-tackle maybe once a week, maybe once every other week. But sure. And when you're in the pros, every single player you're going against is there for a reason. And, you know, they're, you know, they're playing for money, they're playing for checks, and they're going to bring it every single play, every single game. So there's really no plays off, and you got to be prepared for that once you step in there. Yeah. Toughest offensive tackle you've had to face? Ooh. Toughest? Uh, toughest person I had to block, I'd probably say. 
I think Chris Jones is definitely up there. He's oh, very, yeah. very oh, yeah. big, very big guy, and uh, I'm sure he'll show out here in the Super Bowl. What, what does he bring that makes it so tough? What, what are some of the traits and skill sets of these elite defensive linemen that you have to block? What makes him so good and difficult? Yeah, it's it's a combination of things. Like really, like the uh, three guys I really think of are Chris Jones, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, and Aaron Donald. You know, uh, Simmons and Jones are you know they're kind of similar in their style of play, just big bodies who are really good at their hands, really fast feet, and you know they have that ability to bull rush you. But then there's guys like Aaron who maybe different body type but similar uh, play style and he's also very quick off the ball and uh, a lot of uh, game film study goes into that and making sure you're prepared for it and uh, the guys are tough and you know that's kind of the challenges you look for when you go out there and you know play every week hopefully you play, I mean make sure you play well against them and uh, have a good uh, plan in there to protect and uh, run the ball against them and uh, it's always fun challenge you always go play against one of the best yeah did you have a did you have a favorite defensive tackle growing up favorite defensive tackle growing up um, I mean I think it kind of worked out I grew up an Eagles fan and uh, one of my favorite defensive players I didn't really necessarily watch him but it was Reggie White um, and he was a legendary Packer and Eagle and obviously those are probably two of my favorite my Eagles are my favorite team growing up and say Packers my favorite team because they drafted me and yeah. it's kind of special so Reggie White is probably my favorite. You've started in 50 straight games yeah. that, that's pretty damn impressive I mean you look around the NFL injuries piling up year after year after year but you've been a constant guy there how much pride do you take in that streak? I do I take a lot of pride in kind of my durability uh, you know being out there uh, every game no matter the circumstance no matter if I'm you know I'm dealing with something small or something big, I want to be out there for my guys so, so that they're comfortable and they know that I'm going to be there and going to have their back and guys feel comfortable behind me, whether that's Jordan, Aaron Jones, AJ yeah. Dillon, and uh, knowing that these pass catchers are going to get the ball as well and be there for my guys as well on the offensive line. I take pride in that. Going from left guard to right guard, how big of a difference is that just for a lot of people in the media or fans who are listening right now? I think some people say offensive line, oh, it's plug and play, but obviously there's a lot of intricacies that go into it. What's, what's the biggest difference from left guard and right guard right here? Definitely. Uh, growing up, high school, college, I mainly kind of played on the left side, so I kind of feel like my body, my hips and my eyes and you know how my hands move and where I place them, kind of they're kind of just used to the left side. and. Uh, Honestly, I haven't played much on the right side, but you know, football is football. Like, yeah. I'm gonna be on the field as much as I can, and that goes back to you know just the durability. And it doesn't matter where it's at. Like, I want to be on the field. I want to be playing. I want to be, you know, winning games out there with my buddies. And uh, it is tough switching from left to right, but it's something you got to do. And like, at first, probably say like a week or two, you don't really start feeling comfortable doing it. Do you have a good Brian Dawkins story or Tara Owens story? Uh, yeah, uh, I remember growing up in the Eagles locker room. Uh, I'd walk in the locker room after the games. I'd be hanging out in my dad's locker room, and it was kind of uh, amazing walking in the locker room. Immediately to your right was Brian Dawkins' locker room, and then his locker, and then immediately to that was Weapon X's locker, and that was kind of his alter ego and like kind of like Wolverine, and that's the kind of what he kind of embodied when he's out in the field as Weapon X, Wolverine, and. Uh, growing up, I didn't really understand it, but now uh, looking back on it, I, th I think it's one of the coolest things ever. He had two locker rooms in the, the home locker room, and uh, yeah, yeah. it was really cool. And uh, Terrell Owens, I remember I was being a kid, and uh, I think uh, Donovan McNabb was having some of the players over with their families, and 
I was a big Terrell Owens fan and I had him sign one of my jerseys and uh, that was a really special moment as well. As far as free agency goes, what's it been like for you? They're just a little bit behind the scenes, obviously there's some things I know you can't talk about, but as far as free agency goes, obviously first time in your career, you played at Michigan your whole time, yeah. you didn't transfer, there, exactly. there, no, no one else, you were, you were loyal, yeah. then four years of the Packers, now you're a free agent. What has this process been like for you? The uncertainty, if you yeah. will. It's been fun, it's been exciting. I've really no idea what to expect and I'm kind of just taking that in stride I'm gonna let things happen and I think I put out a good resume for myself over these last four years so yeah. I'm gonna let that speak for itself and being a part of this experience too at the Super Bowl Radio Row and put myself out there a little bit and try to meet as many people as I can and you know yeah. get a feeling for where this is gonna go yeah you blogged for Ladanian Tomlinson John Eddie George <laughs> Brian Westbrook how did that approach change for each of those backs yeah uh, I didn't necessarily do that. My dad yeah, did that. Yeah, that. That, 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 that was his dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did grow up watching them. And uh, the way they played, all great running backs, uh, really cool to watch. They're all, I mean, I'd say, Hall of Fame level running backs. Definitely Eddie. Uh, definitely LaDamian, I think Brian might sneak in there as well. So growing up watching them play, uh, unbelievable that my dad was able to do that for him. What was the experience for you getting drafted by the Packers in the sixth round like that? I mean, obviously guard is a, it's interesting, right? It's not, it's not tackle, you don't, you don't always get the accolades. One, yeah. did you always want to play guard or did, did tackle or center ever cross into your mind? Yeah. Um, and, and then two, what was it like getting drafted by the Packers? Um, yeah, I kind of always played left tackle, uh, high school and college uh, throughout my career. and. I always kind of heard the rumblings, even going to Michigan, that I'd be trying to move that be tried to move me to guard, but that really never worked out. Played tackle on the NFL, the rumblings came back again. Like probably going to move inside, and you know, eventually it did happen, and kind of felt comfortable, kind of felt at home in there. You know, the left side, the right side doesn't really matter. And uh, getting drafted by the Packers was unbelievable. Um, actually, got a funny draft day story, and I remember sitting there. Uh, Sitting there on my phone, my, my my friends, my family around me, kind of not knowing what's going on. Uh, sixth round, kind of just started, and sitting there on my phone, I was texting my agent, like, "What are you hearing? You hearing anything good?" And uh, I think as soon as I was about, as soon as I was about to, I think hit backspace when I was texting him, like I got a phone call from Green Bay, Wisconsin. But that's kind of the same exact area where the decline button is. Sure. So I accidentally declined the draft call. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tried to I tried to call the number back, but it was a blocked number. So, um, but I was I was like, what did I just do? I just declined a call from Green Bay, but they ended up calling me back about a minute later. So everything worked out. It, it worked out rather than did, huh? yeah. When it comes to what the Chiefs defense does, right? Steve Spagnuolo is a mastermind. I, he's he's been a psycho this year, man. I mean, just some of the blitz packages that he brings—they're very unique, very exotic. As a guard. What, what kind of added pressure would that put on someone like you? Like, what should the 49ers expect in the Super Bowl matchup here? Yeah, I know Spagnola's always going to dial things up, try to make the picture fuzzy for the quarterback and, you know, try to make offensive linemen have bad eyes and not being able to protect their buddy inside. And they bring a lot of pressure off the edge. Uh, they mix it up. Uh, you know, they got guys that can win one-on-one matchups all across the board. So it's going to be tough, but 49ers, I think, in my opinion, have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So. They'll be up for the task, and I'm excited for it. It's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah. Uh, Joe Tooney, obviously, I feel like is a uh, – I have no idea who he does it, man. He played through a broken hand. You, you offensive linemen are absolutely nuts, by the way. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Just the toughness that you guys bring. I don't think he's going to be able to give it a go, but Nick Allegretti now in the wings. He played against the Ravens. How hard is that for a lineman to all of a sudden – you've been sitting now. Now you're thrust into the starting role, and now it's the biggest game of the year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel bad for Joe. Joe's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, Playing that left guard, he makes it look effortlessly, and he's been doing it 
well, very well at a high level for a long time. But Nick Allegretti stepping in, um, I feel like he's always kind of been their sixth guy in there, and it seems like he's always comfortable. Um, I'm sure he's not going to miss a beat. He, he looks like he's going to be fine the way he played uh, last, you know, their last game in the uh, championship. Uh, he'll, he'll be ready for it, and it's a little changeup, but he's had enough time in there. He's going to be ready to go, I know for sure. As an offensive lineman, how does your run blocking style change? A.J. Dillon's obviously very different from, from Aaron Jones. Do you, do you block run block similar, or is there a couple of, of little differences you do in either guy's back there? I, I wouldn't say you block any differently. I think, if anything, kind of the scheme kind of plays differently, and the sure. coaches have different plays that they like uh, with Aaron Jones back there than, you know, A.J. Dillon back there. I think with A.J., they want to get downhill a little bit more, and Aaron Jones in there. Aaron Jones can still get downhill, Yeah, that's for sure. He runs behind those pads and that little, I don't know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, five, frame he's got there. Uh -huh. that, that might be generous, but... Uh, yeah, they want to get him outside as much as they can, and I think it's like the perfect compliment uh, having Aaron Jones, you know, kind of that slasher, and then uh, AJ coming up, and he's going to get you that one yard that you need whenever you need it. Do offensive linemen like pulling out so they can get uh, maybe a cornerback one on one in open field? We, we definitely do. That's, that's, <laughs> one, that's one of our favorite plays. <laughs> John Runyon, Jr., man, really do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, have Thanks fun in free agency, on. man. Of course. Yeah, that has to be uh, entertaining. You know it. Thank so, you very much. Uh, also, have fun in Vegas, too. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. This is my first time in Vegas, so I've I, I got to experience it, right? Too. Oh, yeah. You guys definitely got to get after it. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, you guys have it going. Thank you, guys. Uh, you too. Thanks, Sean. John Runyon Jr., obviously Green Bay Pack right now. He is a free agent. Uh, wouldn't mind the Chiefs uh, taking a look if they need a little extra help on the offensive yeah. line, right? We'll see what happens. Who knows if, if Joe Tooney will be staying and how long, uh, especially with that contract. Um, looks like we got a uh, few more here. Uh, where do Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson rank among the greatest Chiefs of all time? Good, que good question there, Shrey. Um, ooh. You know, the Chiefs have been blessed to have a plethora, a ton of very talented oh, yeah, defensive absolutely. players. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, Derek Thomas, yeah. um, Bobby Bell. Um, you know, I just it's so many names to count. I think they're in that echelon, but they're behind those guys, right? Yeah. Like, they played for KC a long time, which right. obviously it obviously helps the cause. But when it comes down to it, I love Derek Johnson. Right. I ain't put him above DT. Mm -hmm. I ain't put him above Bobby Bell. Right. I ain't put him above Lee Lanier. But he's in that 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 next group down, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe four or five. Um, right here. If he can play left tackle or wide receiver, get his number, Sterling. Oh, man, I should have told him that. Just in case. Just in case. I think John could and can play, uh, play a little left tackle as well. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Angry Drunken German says, Sterling looking like an 80s late-night talk show host. Is, <laughs> is that what I'm rocking with right now? Do I look like an 80s talk show host? You kind of do. Ron Burgundy, you think? Yeah, from Anchorman. Um, yeah, I think I think a little Anchorman in me. I think yeah, I got a little. You got a little Anchorman got, got, in you with us, Absolutely. Don't know how long the tie is gonna last. Right. Tie tie's giving me a little. Uh, <laughs> it's a little tight, baby. A little tight. A little it tight, is but a it's little all good, though. tight. It's all good. Uh, 
All right, man. He, John Runyon Jr. was talking about how he thinks the 49ers offensive line is one of the better ones in the NFL. Now, I think a lot of the talent has been there, but I, I do think it has been down a little bit this season. What are right. your thoughts on the offensive line of the San the, Fran 49ers? The, 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 the Niners have a really strong offensive line. It's, you know, for me, it's going to be can they hold up against that Chiefs front seven? That, that to me, is going to be the key that I haven't even mentioned. You know, that, you know, the, the offensive line for the, for the Niners against the Chiefs front seven. You know, can they hold up and protect Brock Purdy very well? That's my, you know, that's my key right there. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, you know, Trent Williams will do his job. Yeah. But Trent it's the Williams, right side. It's the right side. It's, a, what, it's the right side I'm concerned about a little bit. It's the right side. It's the, uh, the side that maybe John Runyon Jr. could have been uh, given yeah. a little help out on. Maybe, right, maybe that right. was the side. Maybe, maybe that's what they need right there, you know, right, you know, on the right side. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Some more news uh, just in the NFL. Uh, Nick Saban joining ESPN College Game Day as an analyst. Nick Saban, who just retired last month as the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yep. Going back to work, baby, but it ain't as a head coach. It'll be as an analyst for uh, for college game day on uh, Saturdays when they uh, when they start the college football season. Tell you what, I am shocked. Um, Seventy-two years old. Yeah. As much money as Nick Saban's made. Look at you. Look at Nick Saban. You look at Bill Belichick. Wow, what a what 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 historic careers by both those men. Unbelievable. Uh, I can't wait to see Nick Saban and Pat McAfee together on College Game Day. Yeah, I can't talk, wait for that Talk too. about a uh, interesting dynamic yeah, there. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting dynamic on Saturdays, you know, when the college football season starts. Uh, McAfee's probably going to say something along the lines of, uh, you know, pop the top off, do something fun, and then Nick Saban's going to go, I ain't going to do that, so quit <laughs> asking. Yeah, exactly. Go do something like that. <laughs> The, the, the Nick Saban special. Man, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm caught a little bit off guard. I know he, he joined them a few times on college game day in the past. But yet again, 72 years old, everything that uh, Nick Saban has accomplished. Yeah. Obviously, he must still love the game of football, but the grind of being a head coach. It takes its toll. It takes its toll. Yeah, it takes its toll on you, you know, as a, as a college coach. As an NFL coach, it wears and tears on you. You know, you start. You know, you start. You don't even know. You don't know. You know how much. You know how long you're going to be coaching. You know, in either in either the NFL aspect or college aspect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's talking about uh, the start of the show on the chat right here. What did you guys miss? Yeah, you guys missed Carrot Top in his shoes. Yeah. Uh, I yell at Carrot Top to get his attention, and he shows me his shoes. It is. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. Those shoes are impressive. Savannah says, okay, long snapper is the position in the NFL with the most job security. Got to get Joe to share some tips I can pass on to my son. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, dude, long snapper is the gig. You can't get hit. Yeah, you, you don't even have to worry about getting hit as a long snapper. Not even, not even, yeah, man. not I, even close. I, I think long snapper is the move. If I, could, if I could pick one position to play in the NFL, I think long, long snapper, snapper has to be that spot. If you played, okay, long snapper for what team now? Oh, Chiefs, come on now. Well, I don't know. Do you want me to take Jim, James Winchester? Wow, I can't talk anymore. James Winchester's job? Nah, I don't want to do that, man. I can't nah, do that. No, you couldn't do that. Nah, he's too good. Right. 
if I had to be long snapper, I would be in for the uh, for the 49ers. Hey, the Niners can call me up and say, hey, mom, we need you as long snapper. I'll, I'll do it too. Uh, Chris Jones said he will get his superstitious Super Bowl meatballs meatballs after all. Yeah, look at that. Oh my gosh! gosh yeah, what rings you're rocking there? You know, you want to you want to share those bad boys? Yes, you are. Okay, I saw the Arrowhead addict. I was like, we need to make sure the Patriots are represented. We've been here before. <laughs> okay, good. All right, just want to make sure we're. That's amazing. Oh, man, we got Joe Cardona um, here um, at the table right now. Naming USAA NFL Salute to Service Award recipient. Man, what does that mean for you personally? You know, receiving uh, the 2023 Salute to Service Award means a lot. Um, the recognition is great, and I, and I really appreciate that opportunity to be recognized. But really, it's, it's an opportunity for me to be recognized to represent all my fellow service members out there. You know, obviously the New England community is pulling for me. You know, I know they voted for me along the way, but um, you know, to get a to show up in uniform, to get a to show, you know, my fellow service members that hey, like I'm one of you guys, and yeah, I get to do something different on the weekends. But you know, this is this is my pride. This is my passion. Talk about the transition from you being a law snapper at at, at the Naval Academy to the NFL. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I was really fortunate uh, to to get to go to an institution in the Naval Academy where excellence was preached every day. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I went to the Naval Academy never expecting to play down in the NFL, never expecting to snap. I was a I was an undersized long snapper that went to the Naval Academy and just said, I just want to be on a Division One field, you know, and get to serve my country. At the end of at the end of it, because I was surrounded by excellence every day, I said. You know, I got to achieve something. I got to commit everything I have. And really, that stepped in, you know, football really stepped into that role for me. So I got bigger. I, I, I perfected my craft, just wanting to be good at the academy. And then it turned into all this, and I could have never expected that. And then again, you were phenomenal in the NFL. You won a couple of rings. Special teams for a long time were the calling card of the New England Patriots. We know Bill Belichick. He, he does not, t we talked uh, about that, uh, that long-winded explanation he gave about long snappers. I have to imagine part of that was almost a nod to you, right? He wouldn't have you playing if you weren't that good. Can you talk about playing under Bill Belichick here? Sure. You know, playing for coach, especially, you know, really in any position, but one that he understands because, you know, uh, he wouldn't be the greatest coach of all time if he didn't go in understanding every aspect of the game. And I think, you know, that long-winded answer you guys speak of, you know, as a, a reporter asking a simple question, like, why don't we just have a linebacker do it or have the center do it? Mm -hmm. You know, and for him to show that appreciation for the position, the understanding, because really at the end of the day, understanding is appreciation. Um, you know, I think it shows what it takes to do it at this level. And for the most part, most fans would never understand, you know, what that player does. I mean, that at the end of the day, like, there's a lot of stuff that sells this game. Long snapping is not really one of them. Sure, like, you know, somebody might love punters in a field position game, you know, but we just play a part in that. Um, you know, there's it's an intricate position. Uh, you know, there's no betting lines on long snapping. So, yeah. hey, well, you know, I, I appreciate the all the excitement around it here in Vegas, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is a, a position that usually goes under the radar. Uh, Chiefs love James Winchester. Come on now. We love our James Winchester. He's been there a long time. I love to hear that. James uh, is great. Yeah. As far as some of the... 
intricacies of long snapping? Do you ever change what you do for each different kicker? How, how much of a difference is it going from long snapping to the kicker and then versus going to the punter? Can you talk about some of those? Yeah, there's a huge difference. And, and this is a good opportunity for me to kind of share a little bit about, about yeah. the position. Um, you know, field goals, you're talking about the pinnacle of accuracy. Mm -hmm. You're talking about eight yards. You got to get the laces right. Um, you got to put it in the right spot so the kicker can see it and have as much time as he can to focus on his job, which is tremendously hard, especially in yeah. some of the elements we we play in, whether that be Arrowhead Stadium or Gillette Stadium. Um, you know, it's hard, and and you got to be exact. And then you got to worry about not only the aspect of scoring points when you're on the field for a field goal, but when you go out there for a punt, a play that nobody wants to see, nobody cares about. You know, people are up getting popcorn at that time or going right. to get another beer. Right. Um, you're you're facing NFL defensive ends in yeah. the A gap, and <laughs> here I am at 240 pounds. You know, had to had to switch to long stabbing at one point because I wasn't a an NFL linebacker. Right. Um, you know, that was you you have this realization that hey, this guy's really good. I got to survive. I got to be an athlete on this field, um, and I got to worry about putting an accurate snap back there for the punter. So. As uh, unheralded as, a, as of a position as it may be, um, you know, you really do gain an appreciation for the guys that do it well. Uh, you know, James is one of those guys that he's done for a long time, played in a lot of big games, and have a ton of respect for him because he does it the right way. Take us back, Joe, to Super Bowl 51. You were down 28 to 3 at halftime. How did you guys dig yourselves out of that hole? Yeah, that's, I mean, here we are, Super Bowl week, got the Super Bowl rings on. Um, figured it was. A great reminder of a, of a game like that, you know, an opportunity where I knew I couldn't go back out on that field. I, my last snap was nine and a half minutes left in the game, and there was no way I could go back on that field and for us to have success at the end of it. Um, so I got to watch Tom Brady orchestrate the greatest comeback of all time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, may, maybe it's not talked about, but that was the greatest comeback of all time in a Super Bowl. That was the greatest Super Bowl. You know, the modern era, I firmly believe it. But, you know, I had to sit there and watch. I had to be prepared to do my job just in case, hey, you know, you got to punt. You got to do something. But I knew points-wise, we all knew things had to go exactly right for us to come back, get to overtime, and eventually win that game. So that was pretty cool. Getting drafted in the fifth round as a long snapper, it's pretty interesting, right? Did you know you were getting drafted? When did you know? What was that like? Can you take us back to draft day here? Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't have expected to be drafted you know, I, I, like I told you before, I, I went to the Naval Academy, never expecting to play in the NFL. Um, you know, some unique opportunities were kind of coming up. I got to play in the Senior Bowl, got to go to the Combine. I think I excelled in both, um, which was cool, really cool. Got to show, show off for my Navy teammates and um, show out for them. Um, you know, but really never expected to be drafted. And then to be drafted in the fifth round was probably about 100 picks before I ever expected to be drafted. Um, you know, I, I, I was drafted 166. Uh, you know, and I think every single teammate that was ever drafted behind me has reminded me that I was drafted above them, no matter how, um, you know, many rings or, uh, you know, eventual Hall of Famers they may be. In your mind, is there, is there a goat of long snapping? Is, is, is there like, you know, Tom Brady, you know, that he's the goat. Is, is there a goat of long snapping or someone that you looked up to to, to kind of help get you where you're at? Yeah, I think there's some differing opinions on this. Uh, and there are some absolute legends. And we can run down the list just so I don't forget anybody. You talk about Pat Manley. You talk about John Dorenboss. You talk about, you know, so many guys that that did it for a long time. Relatively unheralded. Yeah. 
But to me, growing up in San Diego, David Ben, uh, you know, 16 years. I, I'm hoping I'm don't short him a year or two there. Um, played forever, most of my childhood, uh, you know, and uh, he was just steady, you know, just an awesome guy, uh, a guy I emulated, wanted to be like, um, and not just because he dated Pam Anderson. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, come on now. That was pretty cool. So what is so Joe? What is the prototype of the perfect long snapper? The prototype of a perfect long snapper, you know, I would, I would say, you know, you take the athleticism, you know, and build of like a linebacker, tight end type, um, and then you got that accuracy and dependability of, uh, you know, of a of a specialist. Like, you know, you got to go in and do it on your own. There's no reactionary. Um, there's no reactionary element to it. You just got to do it right. And then you got to be an athlete out there. So, you know, you see a lot of individuals that, that you know, maybe shaped, be shaped a little bit differently, um, you know, that make it through and survive out there on the NFL field. But to me, if you're an ideal NFL long snapper, you want to be athletic, you want to be able to hold your own out there and fit in on the field. So, um, you know, I hope I, I hope I can live up to my own expectation there. Yeah. Uh, Joe Cardona, I didn't know you were named today. Even better. Yeah. That's was, amazing. Again, he won the 13th annual Salute to Service Award presented by USAA, and you will receive the award during the NFL Honors broadcast tomorrow night. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, it's it's a unique opportunity. When I get to share, like I said, with my fellow service members, and then, uh, you know, the, the the support that USA is putting behind it, um, you know, making donations to, to service organizations as well as to military nonprofits. I mean, that's you couldn't ask for much better from an award. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I and I hope to be able to live up to it. Yeah, Joe, Joe thank you so thank much. You so much, congratulations. Thank you, yeah. guys. Really appreciate the time, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having awesome. me on. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we will be switching gears in just a moment as Patrick Allen will be taking over for me. Um, Patrick, you about ready, pal? You you, you about ready to swing in here? Appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, I'm. I, th I think I'm dead. You've been, doing, you've been working hard, brother. My voice hurts. Your voice here. is hurting I'm you, dead. Uh, I'm dead. I need a nap. I can't talk, and yet I still am trying. You know SpongeBob when he can't talk anymore and he needs water? That's me. Thank you. How you doing? Patrick, oh, here nice you go. You. Nice to meet you, Adam. Get out of here. We got, a, we got an interview to do. What's up, Adam? How you doing? Hold on, I gotta get my credential off yeah. here. The NFL will come for me. <laughs> <laughs> you put these suckers online, everybody no and their mother will be showing up here. Yes, indeedy. How you doing, Patrick Allen? Adam Brenneman, nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet How you, you Adam. I like this setup here, this is nice. Yeah, we appreciate it. I appreciate banners. it, Adam. Thanks for, uh, for stopping by. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So obviously we're here, we got our guy Malcolm here. We're doing our unified reporting with Special cool. Olympics. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so we've been out at, Malcolm's working way harder than me. I only yes. do a few hours a day. Malcolm's out here when he's not working here. It. He's working the room. Awesome. Uh, how have things been going for you, Super Bowl week? It's been good, man. It's been good. It's been a, been a fun week. Uh, I got in uh, Sunday night, so it's already, uh, what is it, Wednesday today? So I feel, yeah, like, I've been here. I feel like I've been here for a month. Uh, <laughs> Vegas will do that to you. It's been a, been a good week. Obviously, you know, I mean, everyone's here. It's yeah. media, uh, coaches, personnel. Uh, content creators, so it's been good to kind of network and meet everybody and then do some of the media stuff. Yeah. Is there, you know, 
What's your favorite part? Uh, what's, what's been your favorite part so far? Yeah, my favorite part would be, uh, I mean, honestly, the radio row stuff I love because you get to hop around and go on a bunch of different shows um, like this. So this is one of my favorite. I look, I look forward to this every year. I try to plan a day where I'm just going to go on and appear on a bunch of shows and meet people and meet content creators and hosts like, like, like you two. So this is probably my favorite part. I'm actually hosting my show tomorrow here. So uh, that'll be fun to do and, and, and get to you know, meet a lot of guys and, and network some. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a podcast, right? Yeah. Yep. You want to tell our uh, viewers about that? Yeah, it's Next Up with Adam Brenneman. So uh, I'm, we're on YouTube and everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Really a college football show. So I interview uh, head coaches and players. So I've had a bunch of head coaches on. That's kind of the niche we, we've created. And, you know, had Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer, the now Alabama head coach, and James Franklin and yeah. Jed Fish at Washington. I mean, just a bunch of guys now that, uh, you know, doing, them in, doing it in person and sitting down with some of the biggest coaches and names in the sports. It's been really fun. Yes. Yeah. Share about your experience at Penn State, Adam, as a tight end and, and at ASU as a recruit. Yeah, man, I, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of college football. So my time at Penn State, um, you know, I was played there for three seasons. I was a two-time All-American and got to play with some really good people. I and mean, we had, um, you know, Saquon Barkley and Christian Hackenberg and Allen Robinson and uh, a lot of big names that, that I got to play with and be around that kind of high-level college football. Our head coach was Bill O'Brien, who, um, who you know, is now the, the Ohio State offensive coordinator, maybe the Boston College head coach soon. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then, you know, I, I transferred to UMass and played at UMass for two seasons where I was a, a two-time All-American and, and then spent time at, uh, at Arizona State as a coach. So I got to see that side of it. Um, worked with some great people like Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce. Uh, uh, actually being on the other side of it and coaching the game and, and leading young men and recruiting, which is a big part of college football. So it was, it was yeah. a fun time and I definitely got to see every different aspect and perspective of the game. Yeah, I actually had a question for you about working with Herm Edwards. Obviously, yeah. the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Herm, former coach of the Kansas yep. State Chiefs. What, what was it like working under Herm Edwards and the staff at Arizona State? And, and what was the most important lesson that you learned from him about coaching? Yeah, great question. Herm, Herm was awesome. I mean, exactly what you would think from seeing him on TV, it was how he is. Um, you know, energetic and cares about people and is a great leader. Um, so a guy you always want to be around. I was a young coach when I was at Arizona State. I was 24, 25 years old. And I would always go into my office uh, once a week and there'd be a, a, a note on my desk with just some words of advice from Coach Edwards. It would be a quote or, um, you know, a words of advice, something he had noticed, and it would just be it typed out on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, I think what he would do is he would write it down and then someone would type it out for him. Uh, and he would give it to the young coaches of like, you know, some, some, just something to think about for that week. And I learned a lot from him just about, uh, you know, he's such a positive person. Like he's, he's always fun to be around, always high energy. And it showed me that um, even through some dark times and when things are going well, if you can stay positive and keep that mentality, it's, uh, it rubs off on everyone in the organization and everyone you know, has that mindset and that mentality every day. Yeah. So I want to so I want to shift gears to the Super Bowl. You know, since we get you know since we're here for yeah. the Super Bowl Fifty Eight on Sunday, I want to you know let's talk about the game a little bit. You know, like you know, like 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 what matchup are you looking forward to the most, and who's your X factor outside of uh, Mahomes and Herbert? Yeah, I, I think the the one matchup that's exciting is Travis Kelsey against Fred Warner, the linebacker for the 49ers. Just can Kelsey get open against a guy like Warner, the linebacker, who's great in coverage, who's rangy, who's athletic? Yeah. Um, 
you know, just as a former tight end, just the Kittle and Kelsey dynamic of two of the best tight ends we've seen in my generation uh, playing against each other in this game. Uh, and they're both very different. You know, George right. Kittle is a traditionalist tight end. That's a technician. Uh, he's what I call like a system tight end. They use him. They use him in motion. They'll put him in the backfield. They'll move him all over. Design plays for him. Well, Kelsey is really like a. Uh, he's an improv tight end where he kind of makes things happen on his own. Half the time he gets the ball, it's not even the called play. He's just kind of playing football out there with Mahomes. Yeah. Mahomes yeah. is scrambling and he gets open. So they're very different types of players. I think Kittle's the better all-around tight end. Um, but. You know, they, those two guys have changed the tight end position. It's now, along with a guy like Gronk, I think, those kind of names have made the tight end position really, really cool in uh, in football now. You know, it's now, it's sexy to be a tight end now. It used to not, no one grew up wanting to be a tight end right, 20 right. years ago. Now it's like yeah. kids are like, I want to be a tight end, you know? <laughs> what, it, what is What does a guy like Warner do to stop a tight end? I think as fans, you know, we watch the game and, it, yeah. okay, you, you know, it's hard to see everything that's going on the field if you don't have access to all 22. So you hear something like, Hey, Fred Warner, man, he's really good. He can, you know, he can take care of tight ends. Yeah. But like, what exactly does he do that other guys can't do when he goes up against a guy like Kelsey? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a couple of things. One is understanding leverage really, really well. So, what a guy like Kelsey tries to do, he's not Kelsey's not the fastest guy. He's not mm -hmm. the most athletic. What he does is he tries to gain leverage on all of his routes. So if he's trying to run a, a corner route, he's trying to gain leverage and get to the outside of the linebacker mm -hmm. so that he can then break and have leverage on it. Fred Warner does a great job of not giving up leverage one way or another and staying centered on the, on the receiver. Um, that's number one. Number two is playing physical. I mean, at linebacker, you can pretty much be as physical as you want without getting a pass interference called. Right. You, know, you can get your hands on the tight end. Most, most refs aren't calling a flag on a tight end. I knew when I played tight end, I'm not get as a big guy. They're not calling defensive pass interference on me because like I should be able to get open on that guy, right? Yeah. right. So he does a great job of, of like getting, not crossing the line of being too physical, but being physical enough to affect a route and using his hands and and then not holding when when the ball's in the air. So he does a really nice job of just being athletic enough and having enough body control to have good leverage and and, and use his physicality to to his to an advantage. So what advice do you have for me um, for the rest of the week here on the route? Yeah, as a host? Yeah. As yeah. A yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're doing a great job. I think you just, uh, you know, always try to, you know, ask personal questions and, and get mm -hmm. the get the guests to talk a bunch. And um, But I think your questions have, have been awesome. And, and uh, you know, the one thing that I that I always say is just, like, you know, bring the energy. And you have, you know, just yeah. br bring the energy when you're on camera. And uh, people want to see and listen to you. And that, that that's what it all comes down to, right? We're all trying to get people to watch our shows. All right. Yeah. I think sometimes, just kind of go back to Kelsey for a minute, I think sometimes the, when, when the Chiefs think that they've got somebody that can maybe deal with Kelsey a little bit, they like to put him in motion. I've watched some Chiefs games this year where yeah. right before the snap, Kelsey's moving almost no every snap. How do you, how, how did, did you get used a lot like that when you yeah. were playing tight end and, and how did defenders deal with that? Yeah, so there, there's a few reasons, I love this, we can talk football, right? It's, there's a few yeah. reasons that offenses use motion. Number one is that it's used as an indicator for the offense. So mm -hmm. what happens when they use put Kelsey in motion is it's an indicator of what the defense is doing, right? If, the, if Kelsey gets followed across the formation, then they know they're probably a man-to-man, -man, right? If they just bump guys, it's probably zoned. So it's an indicator for Mahomes to see what's going on. Uh, number two, it's used to get leverage for the offense. So right. if they, a lot of times you see the guys, if, if Kelsey's going to run a flat route, they'll start him on the other side and motion him across. So he has a running start to get out to the flat quickly. Um, so... And then the other part is is a lot of times defenses will have a specific thing they do when a team motions. Mm -hmm. um, 
defenses have a lot of times, you'll see them all do like the same signal. Like you'll all kind of start waving their hands. That's called like a full check for a defense. Mm -hmm. So when a guy motions or they come out with a certain formation, they have a check that they go to right away. So if, uh, if the Chiefs know the 49ers do a certain check, they'll motion to get them into that check. Um, so th that to, to say, they're doing that motion on purpose to try to get something or see something or understand something. But what they use it with Kelsey a bunch is to get him uh, not press coverage to get him off the ball because you're in motion you're off the line of scrimmage so it keeps defenders away from so then i just talked about fred warner getting physical yeah. it keeps fred warner from being able to get physical right. on kelsey because he's coming in motion because he's moving around because if fred warner's following him he's kind of off balance a little bit it's harder to get hands on the guy and allows kelsey to maneuver freely which is why they put him in motion so much did yeah, you, you have a favorite uh, player growing up adam yeah, my favorite player growing up, I was a Gronk fan, right, when I was in mm -hmm. high school. Um, uh, Brent Selleck was a big, uh, a big fan of his, played for the Eagles. Um, so I, they, they were all tight ends, though, man. It was, I was yeah. always a fan of, of, of great tight ends. Um, Heath Miller was a great one, Steelers tight end. Oh, yeah. So I just always loved, uh, loved you know, great tight ends that were able to get open and, and make plays with the ball in their hands. Is there anybody you modeled your game after growing up? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I know I said I've talked about it a bunch, but like Gronkowski was becoming the man right when I was in high school, yeah. right? And then I played for Bill O'Brien, who was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots when Bill when they had Gronk and Hernandez and, and those great players. So, um, you know, I got to see Gronk and see how he maneuvered and see how he used his body and see how he used his physicality to get open. So I would watch Gronk film all the time and try to model my game off of him. And he did the great job too of being physical in the line of scrimmage and also being able to block and then also being able to use his athleticism to, to win in space. So what's the toughest part about being, uh, what's the hardest part about being a tight end? What's the easiest part? Well, the hardest part for me was always just the, I wanted to catch passes, but then I had to go line up as a tight end and block people. I didn't want to block anybody. Right, uh, right. So you got to get, you got to get beat up in there in the line of scrimmage. So you're getting hit, you got defensive ends and defensive tackles hitting you, but then you still got to go out the next play and go run around and beat the safety and beat an athletic guy. So you're dealing with all different position groups, right? I'm going against the tackle who's 6'2", 320. And the next play I'm against, I'm going against the safety who's 5'10", 180 and faster than me. So yeah. you're just dealing with different jobs every time. And it's also, I think tight end other than quarterback is a toughest position to understand in an offense because you're lined up everywhere. Tight ends nowadays are lined up in the backfield at running back and fullback. You're lined up in, on the line of scrimmage at tight end. You're lined up at wide receiver. You're lined up all over the place. So you got to understand every part of the offense where a running back really just has to know the running back spot, right? Yeah, we, we were talking to Dalton Kincaid earlier and he said, you know, there's the, the expectations are so low sometimes for the for the tight ends when it comes to blocking. Yeah. They're like, whenever he does get a good block, he gets so no fired up. He go, <laughs> yeah. You know, he goes over to his, his fellow tight ends. Did you yeah. see what I did out no there? Doubt. You know, yeah. and he gets yeah, tight end, you just got to get in the way. That, yeah. That's what I always say. Just, just just get in the way and don't get blown up into the backfield. I've seen Kelsey do that a lot. Yeah. You know, watch Chiefs. He'll just throw his arm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to, try to slow him down. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, so, what about this game, man? I mean, like, who do you think has the edge in this one? Yeah, I like the 49ers in this one. I think that, okay. Um, okay. you know, 49ers have done a really good job of building that roster uh, a unique way where you, you you don't spend a lot of money on a quarterback. You have Brock, Brock Purdy, who was a, it was a late round pick, mm -hmm. not an expensive guy. Mm -hmm. What that allows you to do is just stack your roster with talent. Like, it just get the Christian McCaffrey, get guys that are great players uh, that can support your quarterback. And, and they've done a great job building that team into the best roster in the NFL. I also think, you know, the 49ers defense has kind of gotten some, you know, 
people aren't as high on their defense because they haven't played super well in a couple quarters of playoff play. But I think their defense is is the best in the league, and it has a chance to to shut down the Chiefs for uh, which a lot of people have struggled to do. So I like the 49ers. I think I think it's not a super high scoring game. I, I 24 20. 49ers pulled okay. out. Um, I think 24 points is enough to win this game because um, I don't think the, I don't think the Chiefs will be able to uh, move the ball like, like they have been all year. Yeah, it's been a tough uh, it's been a tough road for the Chiefs. It's kind of interesting. The 49ers were the better team in the regular season. The Chiefs' offense struggled a yeah. lot during the yeah. year. Then they get to the playoffs. 49ers have a few issues. Obviously, not too many. They're in the Super yeah. Bowl. The Chiefs seem to right the ship. What do you think was was the change for the Chiefs? Of why that? I mean, as soon as recently as Christmas Day. Yeah. They got, they yeah. got run out of the I mean, building by the Raiders. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, but you look at a team like the Chiefs, to be able to have that happen and bounce back, it's because of the veteran leadership they have. The guy like Patrick Mahomes, a guy like Andy Reid, who's seen so much football, uh, that even when things go south, that you know that they're, we're going to be all right. You know, no right. one the, – the, the Chiefs could lose three games in a row this season – which they didn't, but if they did, they'd still probably be favored the next week, right? Because right. it's the Chiefs. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be all right. They have Mahomes. They have a generational quarterback. They have a great head coach. I think I just talked about how the 49ers built their roster of getting a young quarterback and putting town around him. The Chiefs have done the exact opposite. It's their model is get a great quarterback, guy like Mahomes, pay him a ton of money. I mean, mm -hmm. they spent half their salary cap on Mahomes. Half a bill. But then, yeah. but then, oh, you, yeah, but then you got to manage your roster perfectly because you yeah. can't afford to miss after that because you have a generational quarterback. You can't go. You can't keep Tyreek Hill. You can't. You can't have elite players. So you got. Yeah. You got to be smart with you. You got. You got to hit on a guy like like uh, like Isaac Pacheco. So you got to get guys yeah. like that. Um, who are who aren't expensive players that can right. be great role players, and the Chiefs have built that roster. Mm -hmm. Different model, different different strategy, but I've done it just as well as the 49ers have. You got to draft yeah. well, no or, doubt. Uh, exactly, you, you, you got to draft well. well. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, man. Thank you so much for stopping by the table. Can you remind yeah. our, our viewers just one more time where they can get all your content? Yeah, follow me on uh, on social media at Adam Brenneman. My podcast, Next Up with Adam Brenneman, is uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you can listen to podcasts. So appreciate you guys having me on. This was appreciate great. Appreciate you, man. Thank, thank you, man. For coming appreciate. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. See ya. Again, that was Adam Brenneman. Check out his podcast. A lot of college football coverage. Uh, by the way, I didn't really get to introduce myself. Came in, you know, sometimes you get an injury, you got to run right off the sideline. Patrick Allen here uh, on Stag in the Box with my guy, Malcolm Harris Gowdy. Here we're doing our unified coverage, Special Olympics, fan side. This is the second year we've done this. It's just a blast, Malcolm. The second year for you, too. Yeah. What's, what's different for you this time around? I mean, for me this time around, Patrick, it's just more space you know getting a chance to see everybody roam around all different outlets it's just it, it, it's been it's been amazing yeah just to see all the different just see everybody roaming around just checking it out you know and it's just really 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 exciting you know just like you know this is this has to be better than last year's yeah it's it's, it's incredible yeah it's, it's phenomenal by the way, it's a Stacking the Box podcast. Do us a favor. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Let's get as many football fans in here as we can to get this awesome coverage. Malcolm, yeah. I'd love to hear from you a little bit about, about why it's so cool that we're doing this unified coverage, man. You know, like, why is it important? Like, why is representation important? You know, why, what are we showing here with, you know, Special we're, Olympics we're, fan side? Yeah, I mean, we're showing, we're showing Special Olympics fans. We're showing Special Olympics that... You know, people such as myself can do things like this. You know, and I'm trying to show everybody out there that, you know, they'll see they'll they'll see this and be like, oh wow, if Malcolm can do this, I can do this too. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm trying to set the net, you know, the next generation for those, you know, um, after me, so that they can be like, okay, if Malcolm was able to do this, so can I. Yeah, man, it's really inspiring. Yeah. 
and you're one of the best ones out here, man. I got to be honest with you. I, you, you ask questions in such a great, straightforward way. Uh, you had a great question. Uh, that you, I don't think you got to ask it of, uh, of, of Travis Kelsey, but you wanted to ask him about Taylor, right? Yeah, I did. I wanted to, but you know, but just ran out of time. You know, just one of those things. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's part of being a media sometimes. Yeah. Look, man, you come to the Super Bowl, and when they do opening night, you've got to really fight your way in there. Uh, there's, you know, especially a star player like Kelsey, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, George Kittle. And Kittle, you, you got almost guys. all those guys, I almost you? got all of them, absolutely, Patrick. I, uh, I was able to get, you know, I was able to talk to um, to uh, Brandon Ayuk. I was able to talk to um, all the all the different receivers for the Niners and everything like that, just picking their brain, you know, you know, in regards to in regards to Sunday, you know. So I'm just seeing what, you know, how this takes down. Yeah. Now, I know you've got your journalist hat on as we're waiting for, you know, some of our next few guests to come by. But I know you're a 49ers fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. It's a little awkward, but it's okay. We're going to roll with it. We're yeah. professionals. Well, who's who's your favorite 49er right now, and who's your favorite 49er of all time? My favorite 49er of all time, Jerry Rice. Uh, yeah, man. Wide receiver Jerry Rice of all time was my is, is my favorite 49er, and my favorite 49ers player currently. I got to go with with Run CMC, Chris McCaffrey. He's unbelievable. He, he's unbelievable. Had the most touchdowns all season long, and to me, he should be MVP. Yeah, you know, I thought that too a lot during the season. I know it's a quarterback award, but yeah. I mean, he when you, his value on the field right. for the 49ers, exactly. he makes everything work for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. So you know, so for me, Chris McCowan should be MVP. But you know, but but but, but like you're saying, Pastor, you know, it's it's always gonna be the quarterback. Yeah, it's always going to be a quarterback. It's quarterback league. Um, but I think he's going to put on a show here in his first Super Bowl. How you doing? How you doing, Rashad? So we woke in Rashad Jennings. How you doing, buddy? Man, we, we, we are amazing. Happy to be here with y'all. Yeah. And you guys are working with uh, Gen Youth, correct? Is that, did I say it right? Absolutely. You did. Gen yeah. Youth. Gen yes. Youth. Can Short you, for Generation Youth. Generation Youth. Can you tell us all about it? Absolutely. Uh, Gen Youth is a national nonprofit. We were co-founded by the NFL and America's Dairy Farmers, and our mission is to help ensure that children thrive by living well-nourished and physically active lives. We're here at the Super Bowl because the taste of the NFL is held the day before. It's the largest philanthropic event at Super Bowl, yeah. and the proceeds benefit Gen Youth, and then we give grants to schools here in the host community, but actually all across the country to help end student hunger. That's incredible, you know. Wow. Uh, the, the Super Bowl is obviously, it's this big circus. It's sports focused. There are all these people here, but it creates opportunities for organizations like yours to get your message out. And this is really, why, why is this such an important um, you know, issue out there that maybe a lot of people don't realize? Yeah, actually, one in eight children in this country is living in food insecurity. Here in Nevada, it's one in five. Wow. Uh, and schools feed 30 million kids every day. But only about half of those kids benefit from school breakfast because there's hurdles, including lack of time to yeah. get to the cafeteria. Yeah and sadly the stigma associated with eating breakfast in the cafeteria at school. Sure. So yeah. our work at Gen Youth is we raise money and we give it back to school nutrition programs and provide grab and go equipment. So they literally bring that healthy school meal right to where the kids are getting off the bus and coming into the building. Yeah. They grab and go and start their day with their uh, minds and bodies fueled. I think that's really important yeah. that, you know, it's not just to do the good thing, but to understand the perspective of the kids and what they're going through, and not only that you can reach them, but maybe what's the best way to reach them. Uh, I, I think that's fantastic. I know that 
obviously in the nonprofit world, you're probably going to rely a lot on grants and things like that. My wife has a background in nonprofits, but if, if, if someone was interested in giving to the organization, how could they go about that? They can do so at our website. It's genyouthnow, G-E-N-Y-O-U-T-H, now, N-O-W, dot org. Uh, learn more about our mission, and there is a donate button. It's very simple, easy, and every little bit helps. Yeah, and this, these are tax deductible when you give to a nonprofit, so you know, it's benefit for you and you're going to be doing some really uh, good things, so make sure you do that. Rashad, how'd you get involved with Genu? I, I tell everybody, you know, it's nothing special about me at all. Uh, just in a special position, so anytime I get to unmask myself and mm -hmm. be a magnifying glass towards things that are important, I do that. Yeah. I ran across Gen Youth uh, years ago when I was in New York, um, and I went to one of their events, Taste, uh, Taste of the NFL, and it was fascinatingly great. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to be a part and understanding their mission, understanding what they're trying to do, especially with the youth. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate and we need to focus on our youth. Obviously that's our next generation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Hensing Gen Youth, I, I think they do a phenomenal job on doing that. And one of the things that they focus on is one of the three that all doctors say you need to focus on of raising, uh, raising your kids and that's eating right exercising and rest well we're talking about eating right that transitions into exercise and potentially to how you rest so i think it starts off in the morning with a great uh great breakfast and they're they're doing everything that they can in the right way it's fantastic That's fantastic rashad I, I would love to ask you um this as well i mean the toughest and easiest part of being a running back the toughest and easy. Now, okay, so you want me to answer that in general or you want me to answer that from my perspective, from personally? From your perspective. Okay. From your perspective. Okay, so the so the the it's, I'm six foot one standing in front of you right now about two fifty-five. Mm -hmm. The easiest part as a running back is hitting people. The hardest thing of a running back is not finding a hole to run through. Mm -hmm. That is forever and always the hardest thing. Now, right. I, I will tell people, all running backs run the same when there's nowhere to run. Right. There's only one person that ever ran somewhere when there was nowhere to run, and his name is Barry Sanders. Outside of Barry Sanders, mm -hmm. we all run the same when there's nowhere to run. So the hardest thing to do is find a hole and it run when there's nowhere in front of you. But I, I, love, the, I love that position. I, I probably was a better linebacker coming out of high school. I just had this idea that I wanted to play running back, and um, I love contact, and it's it's just for me is a beautiful position. Has the running back game, has the position changed, you know, in your mind, um, into in today's game? You think, or you know, in, in you know, in, in in your opinion, has the has position changed over time? I will say the expectation, and the demand, and the. Um, requirement of the position definitely has shifted over time but my synopsis is you cannot win a Super Bowl without a solid running back in the backfield and that's been proven over and over and over again so no to that fashion but the respect to the running back oh man that's gone it's a, it's yeah, a lot of disrespect to, to the running back I wanted to ask you about that you yeah. know um, there's been a lot of talk over the last few years the positions getting uh, undervalued underpaid teams think they can just get a running back in any round of the draft, plug them in. Now, you were a seventh rounder, um, 
and then and they're worried about the injuries, right? So it's hard to get that second contract. What's your opinion on that? And does the NFL need to step in and do something so that these guys who are going out there taking lots of reps, taking a lot of abuse, pounding on their bodies, get compensated fairly? I think, and, and just to make sure the statement is proper, I will say they're not undervalued. They're just underpaid. Mm -hmm. The value over the running back is absolutely there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Say hike and try to hand it off to nobody. Yeah. Like it, each position is value. However, the intricacies on how you want to perform and win in the NFL, I think it's shifted to uh, multiple personnel in the backfield of carrying the ball. And I think a lot of people have finally figured this out. And I've, I talked about this for so long while I played. Offensive coordinators bang their head on a wall trying to figure out how do I get my running back in the open field, mm -hmm. right? They draw all kinds of schemes to block, to get him into open field space. Right. Well, the best thing you can do is say hike and just dump it to him, yeah. throw the ball to him. And that's what you're seeing a lot more. Coordinators figured out all you got to do is throw him the ball and he's in open field. Yeah. Now he can perform better. And so that's why you see the run game per se shifting. And that's why you see receivers like Debo Samuel or, 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 or Samuel out there with the uh, commanders and other wide receivers that you're finding in the mix coming out of the backfield because that position is so important. But you can find you different ways to get them the ball. Did you have, did you have um, favorite players growing up? Rashad? Absolutely. Barry Sanders, best running back of all time. If if nobody believes that, then I can't talk to you. <laughs> um, you know, but I enjoy it. Jerome Bettis, Eddie George, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Eric Dickerson, these were bigger backs. I was a bigger back. Mm -hmm. And so I remember just being young, all my running back coach would always say, Man, you need to get low, you need to get low, you need mm -hmm. to lower your shoulders. And I'm like, bro. I can't get low. I'm tall. And it wasn't until I learned how to run tall is when I became great. And so um, that, that, that's why I looked up to those guys. But you were drafted in the seventh round, like I mentioned. The Chiefs planned in the Super Bowl. They've got a seventh round back and Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and he's going to start a second Super Bowl here. His running style is very unique. People say he, like, he, uh, he runs like he's angry at the ground. Uh, what do you think of his running style? Is it is it is it is it wasted effort or do you like it? Do you dig it? I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's his style. It's his form. Yeah. It's his um, it's his gait. Everybody swings different. You know what I mean? And he yeah. the way he opens at his gate fits him. Yeah. It does look crazy, <laughs> but as a yeah. defender, I only can imagine. If you see somebody running wild, yeah. you gonna second guess how you gonna attack that in, or even if you want a piece of that. Right. So I think it helps him. Um, and I love that he hasn't switched up. It, He's a who, good running back. You say you love contact, right? I mean, nice. Isaiah Pacheco, I, I can imagine being a defender being like, man, I don't want to deal with this guy all day. <laughs> exactly. And, and he gets up, too, like he, like he shot out of a rocket. Yeah, every play, every run, every time he gets the ball, he's trying to make a statement. So I can always appreciate that. Love it. All right, listen, uh, we know you guys got to get, get moving on, but uh, what team, Rashad, do you think has the edge in this game? Uh, the edge, definitely the 49ers, without a doubt. They're the best team on the field. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. But Kansas City got the best quarterback and the best tight end and the better coach. Yeah. So with that in mind, that's what evens it out. Yeah. What's your final score prediction? I'm going to go with 27-31. Uh, 
to the team in red. To the team in red. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Marie, do you have a do you have a score prediction for this one? Oh, I think it's going to be an exciting game. I don't have a score prediction, but I think you've got two great teams coming together and yeah. and a great fan base for each of those. So I think the city is going to be rocking up and up and through the game. And uh, again, taste of the NFL is happening the day before. Yeah, it's a great place where fans can come together and celebrate the spirit of the game. They'll be have you know meet players like Rashad who will sign autographs. And if people are interested in learning more, they can go to tasteofthenfl.com. Tasteofthenfl.com, a great cause, an important nice. cause. Make sure you check it out. Thank you guys Thank for stopping by our so table. Much. We appreciate Thank you. you. Yeah. Guys. Take care of yourselves. Rashad Jennings, Gen Youth. Who's your team? Check it out. He's a 49ers uh, I'm guy. I'm going 49ers. I'm 49ers, man. Right. I think. How about you? I'm a Chiefs fan. Okay. Yeah. And you guys are sitting right, We're, right It's a little awkward. awkward. Yeah. We're doing all right. It's all right, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should be a great you. game, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. yeah. We all appreciate y'all. So Take care. Uh, that was awesome, man. That was. I, 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 loved, I love talking to former players. Uh, it's just so cool to hear about their perspective. Absolutely. You know? And we got a we got a cool one coming up here, man. Yeah, I can't wait to, to to interview the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds from the U.S. Air Force are going to be coming over here, yes. and they're doing the flyover over on Sunday for the Super Bowl. Well, have you ever like have you ever been in like yeah obviously like flown commercial? You ever gotten to like fly in a cool jet like that before? I would love to fly in a cool jet like yeah. that. I, I've never flown in one like that, Pastor. Not even. How y'all doing? Okay, we got the yeah, Thunderbirds how are, how are here. How are you guys? Uh, welcome. I'm I'm Patrick. This is Malcolm. Uh, we're doing our uh, our, our fan-sided Special Olympics unified reporting here at the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Um, and, and can you guys introduce yourselves and let us know uh, who you are? Yeah, I'm Major Bryce Turner. I go by Triple. I'm Thunderbird Eight. I'm the advanced pilot and narrator for the team. Nice. Nice. Hi, I'm Randy Winther. I go by Smoke. I'm the executive officer for the team. You say you go by Smoke. Yes. yes. That's an awesome. I, that's I, a, I love I, it. I love that. I love that nickname, Smoke. <laughs> I'm Natalie Winton. I go by Silk, and I'm Thunderbird 11, the maintenance officer for the team. Love it. Smoke and Silk. And what's your, what do you go by? I go by Triple. Triple. Okay. Triple. triple. Okay. Yeah. We we all we all know about this from uh, from um, Top Gun. Top Gun. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, people. Do you, do you know that Maverick is one of the most popular boys' names in the country right now? I did not know that, but let's make triple the most popular Dude, boy's name right now. <laughs> I, I, I've been doing research on this. My yes. wife's six months pregnant. We're having a boy. We're trying to figure out what the heck to name him. And I'm like, do we want to pick one of the popular names? Do we want to, you know, like, and uh, I'm like, Maverick. Like, the movie came out and right up. It's like in the top 15 or something. So uh, Thunderbird 3, one of his sons is named Maverick oh, on the team. So oh, okay. we support yes. it. We totally support awesome. it. So how do you guys come up with your, like, your, is it your call sign? Is it? How, how do you guys come up with that? Yeah. Do, do, is it given to you? Do you yes. make it up your own? Like I had a buddy in college in my fraternity. He made up his own nickname. We all made fun of him. <laughs> no, you can't make up your own nickname, but you can do that in the Thunderbirds? No, 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 no. no. Okay, um, okay. That's good. We That's don't good give ourselves names. Other people, like our friends, give our names to us. Okay. And it's usually about, it has a story or a background and some reason for why that's your call sign. Right. Um, you hear that, yeah. Craig? That's how <laughs> that's how you get a nickname. So, so listen. How do you like, like, okay? So, what if you don't have the nickname yet? Like, yeah, you have to have a call sign, right? Yeah, so, what like, if you don't have one? is there anybody? Yeah, is there, is there like anybody you're like sad? Like you've been in there for like a year and you're like, uh, I'm, I'm Bob. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, 
we'll try to um, get them named um, earlier in the year. So Thunderbird 12, who is not here but has helped put us, this on for us, um, she didn't have a name before getting to the team. Yeah. And so we named her about two weeks ago. Um, so like a month into her season, and then that'll hopefully stick with her for the next two years on the team. Very cool. I would love to find out from all of you, like what's the toughest part about being on the Thunderbirds, like, like, like training wise, like, like what do you have to do in order to in order to be part of the Thunderbirds, like, like share a little bit about that. Sure. So um, every single person from the lieutenant colonel, who is our commander, to the youngest senior airman that's on our team, of all 135 people, have to apply to be on the team. Um, and then each job that they have, there's different requirements. So for us 12 officers, um, we kind of have a lengthy application process. Starting with the pilots, they have to have a minimum of 750 flight hours, which that takes about four to five years minimum to get there. Um, and then us support officers, based on the different AFSCs or the Air Force codes that we're going into. Mm -hmm. It depends on whether they have certain specialty schools, um, different things like that. So it's not just something that you like wake up that morning and you're like, I think I'm going to apply to be the Thunderbirds, you know, Thunderbird right. 10 today. Um, <laughs> some people do, which is awesome, but we also need to kind of vet those positions. We travel close to 250 days a year. Wow. So it's like baking a cake, if you will, where like all of our personalities have to mesh. Um, if we like don't like something someone's doing they need to be able to take that feedback and then like get over it and then continue working with each other so it's like constructive uh, constructive criticism is basically what you're saying exactly right I, how do you guys like when did you know that you wanted to be pilots you know what i mean Ooh. like i know a lot of kids are like yeah i want to be a pilot and then you know it's like oh this is really hard yeah, so that's very easy for me to answer because my dad was a pilot and my granddad was a pilot. Oh, so nice. I pretty much had jet fuel running in my veins from birth. Yeah. Uh, so watching him fly all the time, I knew early on that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so on our team of 12 officers, we have eight pilots. Uh, so I'm one of them. We also have our executive officer and our maintenance officer uh, here as well. So a lot of different uh, jobs and I'm sure they all had different means of getting there. Um, so for the executive officer role, I um, am not that for like the regular Air Force career job that I have. I'm actually a, like a data analyst for the uh, Air Force, but this is just like a special duty. So applying to something that was different and kind of took me out of my career field to just kind of break things up a little bit yeah. was why yeah. I applied. Very cool. Cool. Uh, for, for me as a maintenance officer, this was mostly luck and timing. Um, this is really one of the coolest jobs, one of the most challenging jobs. So when the opportunity presented itself, I threw my name in the hat and was very, very fortunate to, to be able to be a part of it. So. so what's the easiest part of being on the Thunderbirds and what's the toughest part? <laughs> the easiest part is the people that we work with. I think sometimes that's really challenging, but it is we are all marching in the same direction to achieve the same mission and that unity of of focus really, really helps us like run like a well-oiled machine. Uh, the toughest part is probably not being able to spend time with our families. Uh, this, we do travel a lot. Um, we have children, we have wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, things like that. And it's just, we don't get to see them very often. So it's right. a lot of sacrifice on their part. They, they're giving a lot of time that they could spend with us to our mission. What's the term? Like, do you, do you do it for a year and then you're done, or can you can you stay in for a long time? How does it work? 
four officers. Primarily, it's a two-year position, except for our number eight position, which is triple over here. So yeah. he does the advanced pilot and narrator, and then he will progress into either a demo, uh, into a demo role as either a diamond or a solo pilot. For our enlisted members, which make up the majority of our team, there's only 12 officers, and we have 135 people on this team. Yeah. Um, it's between three and four years, depending on if they extend or get picked up for another assignment. So. And you all, so you're all you're at the Super Bowl, but you're not just here to hang out, right? You got something to do on on Sunday. He talked us through like how yeah, that works. Sure, yeah, share share what you guys are gonna do on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. So we will be flying over the Super Bowl at wow. the national anthem. Uh, so even this morning, we went out there and we did two practice runs right over the stadium to make sure that we got our timing right, our optics right. And on Super Bowl Sunday, as soon as Reba finishes the anthem, you're going to hear six jets go roaring over the stadium. Incredible. Incredible. How, how fast do these suckers go? Yeah, how fast do they go? <laughs> the, the jet itself can go Mach 2, which means twice the speed of sound. Uh, but that would mean breaking the sound barrier. We'd probably shatter all the windows uh, in the stadium. I don't think a lot of people would be happy with us. So right. uh, we'll be going a little slower than that, probably around uh, 400 miles per hour is how fast we'll be going over the stadium. That's, see, that, That's I was wondering insane. about that. It, it looks slow when you're in the stadium when yeah, you see the planes fly, but obviously you're going pretty fast. You know, you should fly over the, I think the 49ers are practicing right now. <laughs> Mach 2, baby, right <laughs> over. Do a low fly fly, too, you know? <laughs> They're already not happy with their, with yeah, their field with conditions. The field, so, you know, you can. They're kind of not happy about it. That's, uh, that's really, really incredible. That's incredible. I'm so, just, I'm really honored I got, I got to, I got to talk to you guys today. Yeah, what, really what's, it, what's it like going Mach 2? Yeah, what's like, it like? Like, what happens to your body? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, so luckily the cockpit is uh, a nice little protected bubble for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so while the jet is experiencing a lot of force on the outside, it was designed to go that fast. Yeah. Uh, so usually it does pretty well. Um, sometimes it starts ripping some paint off, uh, which our maintenance officer doesn't like, so she doesn't let us go mock yeah. to you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of changes in aerodynamics up there, but the jet can handle it. How, are, how maneuver, like, are they more like straight line crafts, or can they do all kinds of, you know, uh, all kinds what, of what's their capabilities? Yeah, so for the flyover, you're just going to see a flat pass, but mm -hmm. our typical mission is we'll go out uh, to execute air shows, and you'll see a full range of aerobatics uh, for a nice show. How dangerous is that? I mean, I know obviously everyone's the best at what they do, but you know, you see air show things, bad things happen. I get scared for people. It's it's thrilling. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so our, fortunately, our crash rate or fatality rate has been not present in our s squadron for a couple of years since yeah. 2018 was our last um, mishap. Mm -hmm. um, and we pretty much like buy down that risk by doing winter training. So at the end of our show season in November, we'll swap out half of our demonstration pilots. So three pilots will leave, we'll get three new pilots, which 50% of like change is kind of a lot and pretty significant. Um, so we'll start training. So six days a week, two times a day from November through through February, um, we are still in winter training. We'll practice, and then come March, we have to get certified to do the demonstration. And so our goal by that time is to have, of the six airplanes, have flown a hundred times or hundred times together. Um, whether that be individual maneuvers, um, you know, just maybe like a four ship or a two ship, um, but over about a hundred times, we want them to have flown so we can buy down that risk and not. How have many that. shows do you guys do a season? I mean, um, around 
30 different show sites that we try to visit in the nation and in Canada, and then um, about two air shows per weekend at each location. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, now I mentioned to you, I'm having a kid in six months. What do I need to do, you know, right when he gets out of there to get him on the path to become a Thunderbird? Name him Maverick, and <laughs> everything else is, okay. just kidding. Um, yeah, truthfully, um, it'll depend on their, on his uh, interests and stuff like that, but at a younger age, um, getting them interested in aviation, flying, having that experience to make sure that that's the hobby that they're interested in, yeah. um, and then obviously join ideally the Air Force, um, whether that be ROTC, um, an OTS track, or even the academy to obtain that pilot slot to then go on and become an Air Force pilot. Do they have uh, like little Thunderbird like models that I can get them, like toy? Oh yeah, my yeah. son has too many, um, <laughs> but air wow. shows typically they'll they'll be booths that like we don't I don't know where they get them they're not sold by us or like our squadron, yeah. but they have like little models little Lego models that you can build or all that type of stuff. But foam ones, hats, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so look, I don't want to overstep here, <laughs> but can Malcolm and I get like honorary call signs? Yeah. Ooh, on the spot. Like, you talking to us for a few minutes yeah. now, like. You know, clown might be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, handsome. I don't know. What do you yeah, guys think? I don't know. Triple. You've done this more than me. <laughs> I'll give it a whack. So if you if you are uh, you say you're a clown, I would go with Joker. Okay. That's what I'll call that. you. That's I pretty like call, that. solid call sign. Um, for you, I would probably name you Smooth. Oh. Oh, I love Silk. I love smooth. That. I, I think it's a good that. one. Be as smooth. Um, <laughs> all right, y'all. So. Big game. You're gonna be flying over. I don't know. You're allowed to make predictions since you're sort of involved in the in the in the theatrics. Who do you think is gonna win on Sunday? I think the first? Chiefs. Chiefs. I think the 49ers. Hey, you triple. Who we got? Uh, I'm just hoping for a close game. I don't want to blow out. <laughs> you just hope everybody has fun. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys? Are, are you guys big NFL fans? Do you have favorite teams? Yes, um, my team will never be seen. In the, <laughs> I like the Minnesota Vikings, and um, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm a diehard Minnesotan. Great. And so one day, I hope and pray that they will. You got Justin make Jefferson. It. You got a fighting chance. Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm more of a hockey fan. Oh, okay. So I apologize. I just That's I okay. also like a great game as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a Washington household, so I have to root for them. Uh, okay. Through thick and thin. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we appreciate you all we coming by. You guys. Be safe. Be safe. Have, fun. have fun. On and uh, thank you. And, and thank this you is so Joker much. and Smooth. Joker and Smooth. <laughs> Thanks for having us, yeah. guys. Thank appreciate you. you all. Take care. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> oh man, that was that was that was amazing. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So thank nice you. to meet you. Take care. Thanks for all the advice. Joker Smooth. Joker and Smooth. I like that. I don't know if Richard, our producer, can change the lower third. It's the lower third, but. But like we need, you know, Joker Smooth. Maybe a little some wings. Some wings for or, us or something. <laughs> what do you think, Malcolm? Are you thinking uh, after after media, maybe maybe Air Force, maybe Thunderbirds? Yeah. I like the I, I like the name Smooth. I like that. I I think it's great. I think yeah, I love you've got, it. You've got a like. I think you've got a good radio voice. I, you know, I do. Nice baritone. Yeah. So you're uh, you're doing good here on on the podcast and on YouTube. Joker. See, I went I went ahead and, and called myself a clown. But <laughs> Joker, you? Joker's a cool name. It, right? is, it is cool. I'm happy, absolutely. Yeah. You think about uh, makes me think about uh, Batman. Yeah. 
I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. I was gonna go in that direction, Austin. Yeah. So we're gonna have to get some T-shirts made up, Malcolm. Yeah. Me and you. We'll go check As out part the of Thunderbirds. Yeah. <laughs> so, Smooth. So you talked to a lot of people today. What's your What's your take? I mean, we we try to ask everybody what the prediction is for the game. Yeah. What 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 are you hearing more? Is it 49ers? Is it Chiefs? Is it split? It, it's split. You know, from what I've heard all day so far in the in the second half of the you know of the of the interviews, Patrick. I mean, I've I've heard like split, 49ers, Chiefs. You know, like. It's just split, you know, it's just 50-50 down the middle. Yeah. I'm hearing the same thing, man. Even the fans around here, it's starting to pick up a little bit. There's yeah. more fans here in the convention center, in the Mandalay Bay. I was actually counting them on the way over here as like a little experiment, unofficial. Yeah. Okay, 49ers won, Chiefs won, and it was like dead even fans Yeah, as well. it was like dead even. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. It, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. I can't, I, I, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait to see... Uh, See what what transpires out of that. So who's the who's your favorite person that you've interviewed so far today? I mean today, I mean I got a Hogan the cool was awesome. He was cool. Uh, very cool. Michael Penix Jr. was really really cool. Um, Justin Pugh, I gotta say he's gotta be my my, my, my number one right now. Yeah, what was that? Um, I mean just just the way I was um I was just shaking his hand like you know like. He says that my hands are huge, like offensive linemen. Have big hands, hands. Yeah. yeah. I noticed that, man, because I listen. I've got my mom's like skinny wrists and yeah. small hands. Like <laughs> I was a runner, you know. Like yeah. I wasn't. I couldn't like palm a basketball yeah, or anything. It's like, it's like Joseph Hughes said. I have offensive linemen hands, like like like, like the way I was shaking his yeah. hand. He's like. You know, you could be an offensive lineman too. I'm like, oh, okay. These guys hurt me when I shake their hand. Yeah, you know, and they're not trying. Right. It's just, you it's know, just way, it's probably the it's probably the way you're gripping. You know, it might be. It, it could be your grip as I'm, well, Patrick. I mean, you know, you gotta. Yeah. It's all right though. <laughs> so you could be an offensive lineman. So remind me what what sports you play in Special Olympics. So I play basketball, Patrick, bowling, track, and golf. I heard you talking about the bowling earlier, and you yeah. said. You haven't bowled a 300 yet, but you've been close. I've been close. My highest game actually was a 190. So oh, I'm getting, man. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Just, you know, you know, just gotta get better. You know, like you know, I'll get better. You know, with each practice, just getting better. Do you spin the ball? Like I, you know, it's all hard. I've never been like uh, competitive bowling. So whenever I go, it's just like fun. Like I'm going with my yeah, friends. Well, I just paid, and I'm well, afraid to try to spin it. And the key is. You know, as a bowler, a lot of times you want to look at where your arrows are because yeah. you want to look at the first and second arrow. You know, however you roll your ball, and you also got you also want to make sure that you're bowling your thumb up your nose like a handshake kind oh, of. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like a handshake. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's how you got to bowl. You know, like thumb up your nose like a handshake. I got to give it a try. I'm always yeah. like, I'm gonna do it, and it's gonna go straight in the gutter, and I'm gonna be mad because. You know what I mean? Like, I need to practice. See, I need and, to practice bowling. And, and the key to bowling, too, Patrick, is about having fun. Yeah. You know, if you don't have fun with it, then it, it defeats the purpose. Yeah, yeah. And so you said you do tennis as well? I do I do basketball, basketball. bowling, golf, and track. Oh, golf and track. What do you run in track? I was a runner. I ran 200-meter run. I did 100 meters, and I did the 4 by 100 meter relay. Oh, the 4 by one Were you the, what, 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 uh, what leg in the 4 uh, by one I was the, I was the, I was the anchor. I was the last. Oh, nice. Okay, so last. you've got some wheels. I was wheels. the last. I got some wheels in mine. I love it. I love it. What about, legs. what's your, uh, what's your 100 time? Um, 
I ran 100 and like in like between 17 and 20 seconds, I believe it was. So I was very really fast. Yeah. I'm very fast. Yeah. I was never fast. That's why I did distance running. Oh. I ran cross country. You know, because my, my goal was like, all right, I'm not right. more, yeah, I'm like, I'm not more athletic than everybody else, right. but maybe I can outlast them. I noticed this in elementary school, like we would be doing, they were like, do like four laps around the play playground. Right. And I always lost all the races, but I noticed by like lap three, all the fast kids were like out of shape and I was catching <laughs> up to the fast kids and I was like, I have endurance, oh, natural boy. endurance. So I did right, that, right, so, I, was, so I, did, I did cross country track. I did the mile and the two mile. Nice. And uh, but I only I never liked doing the two miles. Too many laps, boring. Eight uh, laps. But at the same time, you 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 get yourself a break afterwards. You know you you know you get you're drinking a lot of water because you yeah. know because when you drink you know because you gotta stay hydrated after after running so much. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what about basketball? What position you um, play? In I play power forward. And last oh, okay. year. Um, last year we had our unified basketball team, uh, the St. Lucie, um, the St. Lucie Bulls. We actually went undefeated. We we did not oh, lose man. one game all year. We went seven and zero last year. Fantastic. And we beat a we beat a unified team out of Miami Dade. Very physical in the beginning. We uh, we led by uh, we led by three points and half. And then my teammate John Allen the third, who's my who's on my team, he actually nailed a three pointer from from beyond half court. Oh, wow. We actually, we actually sent our lead from three to six, and we actually won the game by nine points. Are you, uh, are you a range shooter? I mean, I know a lot of power forwards like to post up and stuff. But I like to post up. I like three? to, you know, I like to shoot, you know, and that sort of thing. I like to, I like to dunk. You know, I, I play smart basketball without fouling. That's what my coach like teaches us. Like, yeah. our coach will teach us, you know, like make sure we we play aggressive, but 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 stay out of foul trouble. I couldn't. I can't dribble. How are your handles? I could my only. My handles are pretty good. I could only do it with my right hand. I, I wasn't the kids that could. Yeah, like go to I'm their pretty left. good. You know, I can cross over. You know, I can cross over some some defenders. You know, I try to pump fake. You know, I try to I try to get open as much as I can. I remember one year, um, Patrick. I scored. I played three on three, which is like half court basketball. I scored 38 out of 40 points for my team. Man. The other team was just leaving me wide open. And I kept scoring every time. The middle of the lane was was not even, um, w w you know, was, was like, yeah, it was yeah. just not even occupied. Scoring every time. Teammates kept feeding me the ball every time. Kept scoring, kept scoring, kept scoring. It was like 38 out of 40 points. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool when you have a run like that. I didn't have a lot of sports glory, but I, I enjoyed doing sports, cross country, track. I yeah. really enjoyed the social aspect of it, which right. I know a lot of people really like at Special Olympics too. It's not just that you're competing, yeah, but, but it's you get also, to make friends. You, you're also making friends, and yeah. not only that, you're learning so many valuable lessons in Special Olympics. So, so we always say before every competition is let me win, but, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. Yeah. So we, you know, so, it's something that Eunice Kenny Shriver, the, the founder of Special Olympics, started. So that's what we always say before any competition. So at the same time, you know, it's, it's not about winning or losing, it's about having fun. Yeah. And that's what's most important. But at the same time, it is competitive, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people think Special Olympics, oh, no, no, like it's, I remember uh, we did a video on Eunice Kennedy Shriver. Yeah. And she was very adamant that like, let's, you know, let's right. give trophies, let's give medals, let's have competition, right. let's push everybody. You know the first, Special Olympics games were actually started in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, were they? That's yeah, where I they live. They started in uh, Chicago, Illinois at uh, Soldier Field. And Eunice Kennedy Shriver, um, she founded a camp called, a day camp called Camp Shriver. Love yeah. it, love it. You'll have to check out, maybe maybe one of our producers can uh, 
drop the, the, the video that we made a few years back about Eunice Kennedy Shriver in the chat, I and mean, we're going to go a little while longer here. Uh, I, they're probably mad at me for giving them homework, but I know we mentioned it, we brought it up, and I know they were really proud of it. It's a really good look at yeah. the history of Special Olympics, how she got involved, why she got involved, uh, and it's just, it continues, and now it's this massive organization. Yeah, it's massive, and you guys, and, and also, Special Olympics, you got to understand, too, People with disabilities, you know, were institutionalized back in the day. I don't know, if, I don't know, if, I don't know if you guys knew this, but people with disabilities were institutionalized back in the day. Um, you know, they were, you know, they were called names back in the day. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, and uh, to this day, I mean, Special Olympics has been a tremendous organization that I'm so honored and and, and grateful to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And we're obviously here at Fanside. We're partnered with Special Olympics. We have been for years. It's something that's near and dear to our hearts. And I know we, we mentioned some of the other organizations that our, our fantastic guests uh, are a part of. If you want to be part of Special Olympics, there's all kinds of ways you can get involved. A couple years ago, we went down to Orlando, fan-sided, and we volunteered at the Special Olympics down there. Yeah. That was really gratifying and a lot of fun. We got to meet so many different people. Can you tell me about, can you tell everybody about the, the, the pins? Because this is something I didn't know about. And yeah, that so, a family gave me a pin, it was so, so cool. So basically what happened was a couple years ago, we had the Special Olympics USA Games in Orlando. So all the different um, states from around the country and we have um, athletes from the Caribbean for the very first time ever. Oh, nice. So they were giving out pins. And so we all, you know, we all were giving out pins from all the different states and everything like that. So so it was just it was just one of those camaraderies and that sort of thing, you know, it's just just seeing all different um, athletes from around the country and, and globally as well too. Got it. Um, yeah, it is. And you know, you know, as I mentioned, if you want to support, volunteering is a way. Another way is, and something that I've done in the past, is you can become a sustaining member of Special Olympics. And it's a way for you, like, you know, we have all the stuff we spend money on, right? Like we go, we buy coffee. You got 15 streaming uh, platforms that you're on, you know? Yeah. Um, and why not take one of those out and put it towards a, uh, you know, something that's doing some good, that's helping people, yeah. that's a really good thing. And then you can feel that you're making a difference. So like, yeah, cut out, cut out the Starbucks run, maybe become a sustaining member of, of Special Olympics. And then, you know, you kick them a little bit every month. And sometimes it's hard for people to make a big donation yeah, at one and, time, right? Everybody's and, working hard. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, you know, we always, you know, Special Olympics is, the volunteers are the backbone of what we do. Yeah. We always need volunteers, no matter what the situation is, no matter what sport it is. We always need volunteers because, like I said, Patrick, they're the backbone of what we do. Yeah. And without the support of those volunteers, I wouldn't be at media row or being an athlete in the specialists because without those volunteers, you know, it, you know, they're, they're the backbone of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So there's all kinds of ways to get involved. Um, so make sure, you know, check out the Special Olympics website and find a way. And you never know when they might be coming. And, there, and there's local, right? Like there's local Special Olympics yes. around where people can yes. get involved right there, where they live. There's local Special Olympics they can get, get involved with. They can also, they can also be volunteers. All they have to do is just, they would have to fill out a volunteer form and then they would have to call their local Special Olympics uh, uh, chapter and see how they would get involved and things of that nature. That's great, that's great. By the way, we got a super chat in the chat from my guy Flapjack. Uh, look, Patrick, your call sign is Joker now. If Casey wins, you have to get a tattoo Joker card. Oh yeah. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I have one tattoo and it's for my parents. But I don't know if my wife, I don't know. I don't know yeah, if she'd Joker go is, for that yeah, one. Yeah, if, if, 
Yeah, I'll have to get a smooth tattoo myself too. Smooth tattoo? Do you have any tattoos? Um, I do not, and I would love a smooth tattoo. I love the Nene. See, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble here now. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm making Malcolm think tattoos. Somebody's gonna, somebody's oh, gonna no. get mad. Smooth, smooth would be a good tattoo. Yeah, it is. Just, just text. Yeah, just text. Right, right on the shoulder, smooth. Right. A Joker card, flapjack. I don't know, man. Are you serious? Who said they would donate? How much? I'm gonna need to know how much. Because <laughs> if it ain't more than I would give, I would just donate to Special Olympics. Right, exactly. Yeah. But if you guys want to get a pool going, yeah. If you guys want to get a pool going, I don't know. If you get, if you guys get a thousand dollars to Special Olympics, I'll get a small Joker tattoo. A thousand dollars. Yeah. A small one. It's gonna be small. I'll a do thousand a small tattoo, um, you know, as well. I probably should have went a little bit higher, but right. I want, you know, it's gotta be obtainable, right? We gotta yes. we're gonna get the donation. It has to be obtainable, absolutely right, Patrick. Yeah. Absolutely. So you guys collect up the money, yeah. thousand bucks. I'll go, I'll get a joker tattoo if the if the parlor will let me, I'll uh, I'll live stream <laughs> it for you guys. Yeah, they hurt, man. It hurts. Hey, it's it, you know, you know, it's, you know, get, you know, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Um, maybe these guys will come through. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're pretty, they're pretty good about supporting us. So Absolutely. I'm a little nervous now. Um, but, I you know. I would be nervous too much, Patrick, honestly. I wouldn't. Hey, look, I wouldn't be the first person to go to Las Vegas and come home with some uh, regrettable ink. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get back to some football talk here. Kansas City Chiefs. You, you were breaking down the game for me last year, and I remember I asked you yeah. who was going to be the X factor for the Philadelphia Eagles. You said C.J. Gardner-Johnson back then. Yeah. Who do you think is going to be the X factor for the Chiefs this year? Oh, for the Chiefs, for me, it's going to be, it's going to be Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, um, the running back for Kansas City. That's going to be my X factor. And for San Francisco, it's going to be Chris McCaffrey. So the run, big running back game. Yeah, the big running back game, yes. It's going to be the running backs that, that are going to decide who wins this one. Who do you think is going to have more yards? Um, I am going to go Chris McCaffrey. I th like all purpose or just on the ground? On the ground, I'm going to go McCaffrey. Okay. All purpose, I'm going to go Pacheco. Pacheco. Oh, interesting, interesting. They yeah. like to throw to McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, I hope you're right, man. I think, I think that could be a fun one. I know there's a lot of focus on the quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes. But, but also, too, Patrick, I mean – Outside the quarterbacks, there's gonna be there's gonna be an X factor for either for either side. Right. It's just gonna have to be which team has the ball last that's gonna win the game. That's gonna be the case. So you think it's gonna be that close one score game? Mm -hmm. Gonna be one score. Um, it's gonna to me it's gonna come down to a defensive a defensive turnover or somebody creates a turnover. That yeah. to me is gonna decide who wins this game. That's the way it is, man. In these playoff games, you know, uh, it's and it's obviously a slim the Super Bowl is always high scoring. So right. you never right. know. Right. I, this could be, this could be an epic one. Yeah. When these two teams played uh, four years ago, who did you think was going to win at that time? When it was Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes' first. I Super thought Bowl. the Chiefs were going to win that. You one thought the Chiefs four years ago. Chiefs. I wanted the Chiefs to win uh, four years ago in Miami. Yeah. And um, and uh, and uh, I I picked the Chiefs to win that one, and I was absolutely right. I wish I could have been at that game. I wish I could have been. I wish I could have been at that one in Miami four years ago too. Yeah. You know, it would have been nice, and it was close to my own backyard too. I lived in South. You know, I'm, I was in South Florida during that time, and yeah. I live in Port St. Lucie, so Miami's like only an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. You know, from you know from where I'm at, so it would have been nice, but hey. 
It's yeah. all good. That's okay. That's yeah, okay. How good. do you like it down there in Florida? Because I live in Chicago, man. I mean, and Florida, let me tell you. Florida can be brutally <laughs> hot in the summer. Okay. I'm telling you, the summers were brutal last year. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was like, it was like 90 degrees every single day. Yeah. And you're sweating bullets. Humidity, right? Yeah, too. humidity is like, it, 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 like it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's a factor and it's very like, like, like not even sticky. Like yeah. the air is just so thin in Florida. It's like, you know, the summers are brutal in Florida, but the winters can be rainy one time. It can be cold, you know, so you just never know. I'll tell you, it sound, it's, I, look, I don't like the heat, but it sounds better to me than Chicago. And I love Chicago Yeah. and it's beautiful in the summer. But once you get to about the end of December, the sun goes away, it doesn't come back until yeah. May. Right. Right. It's just gone. Um, sometimes you can see it behind the clouds. Yeah. It gets dreary. It's it's daylight for about four and a half minutes a day. It starts snowing and then it doesn't ever melt. And if it does melt, it turns into this like gross black yeah. slush. Yeah. You don't have to deal with any of that. Right. See, in Florida, it's like we have to deal with the brutal heat every single summer. Yeah. You know, yeah. me and Brian, we have to deal with it all summer long. It's like, you know, and and especially when I work at Publix, when I have to go outside and grab carts all day in the heat, it is brutal. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's like, like, like last summer, I'm working at Publix, I'm grabbing all the carts, and all of a sudden, it's like, it was brutal. I was sweating from, you know, from, from up here to every, you know, it was, it was brutal. And people don't put it back in the corral no, and you got to go and get it. No, they, no it's like, right. it, it makes my work even harder. How are we doing? We How got Kevin, Kevin Blackystone. Good to meet you. Thank to meet you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys coming by. I'm, I'm Patrick. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm, Kevin. Thank you. I'm Patrick. This is my guy, Malcolm Harris Gowdy. Here at Fansided, we do uh, we do uh, unified coverage with Special Olympics every year. Outstanding. So, so Malcolm's our reporter this year. Outstanding. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry, you catch your name. Torrance Banks. Torrence? Nice to meet you. Torrance Banks. Nice to meet you. And you're a student, correct? Yeah, I'm a grad student. Okay. So uh, so give us the give us the lowdown. lowdown. I read a little bit about this, but what are you guys here promoting? Uh, writing a project on uh, youth tackle football. Okay. Um, so we all know that the um, benefits associated with youth tackle football are, you know, learning teamwork, um, building friendships, and then possibly like earning a college scholarship. Um, but you know, when you play this sport, you open yourself up to the chance of uh, getting injured. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we um, commissioned a poll uh, to kind of get the like, national perspective of parents, like on how like, they view youth tackle football, and like what we found from the the, uh, the results, um, it showed that black and Hispanic parents were more likely to um, view um, the possibility of getting a scholarship or playing professionally at the benefit. They were more likely um, to allow their kids to play um, in the five to nine age group, and they were also um, more likely um, to be in favor of scaling tackle, tackling and practice down to 30 minutes. Um, and in addition, we um, we sent some reporters to um, some football um, program, youth football, youth tackle football programs in uh, Fort Washington, Maryland, and uh, Lexington, Mississippi, and in Georgia as well. Okay. And, and did you did you infer anything as to as to why there's this disparity between you know the idea of oh, my my kids if they play they're going to be able to get a scholarship? Um. Well, I think with like with you know it's like NIL and stuff like that. I think what the what the results show is that um, 
that maybe like black and Hispanic parents may be more attuned to the benefits mm. that they could you know see down the line. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> you know we know how expensive a college education is. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we know how the stories that sports journalists like to tell in broadcasts or with the written word mm -hmm. that the public sometimes likes to latch on to is that story that says that this kid who earned this scholarship to this college is the first person in his family mm -hmm. to be able to go to college. And so that, that warms our heart. Um, and, and so many, uh, so many households, black and brown households, um, that story resonates with them. Uh, and, you know, if we just walk around, you, you've been here for several days, right? Yeah. I mean, you see who's walking around here, yep. who you all pull in to, mm -hmm. to interview. Yep. Yeah. Um, so many black athletes made famous uh, on the gridiron, right? Mm -hmm. So this is who people see as that, as that opportunity to uh, climb another rung up on the social ladder. So it's, we, we understand that. But we just wish that more people would keep in mind that kids need to be kept safe right. or safer, right? So, Kevin, I would love to ask you, um, what advice do you have for me as a journalist? To be a journalist? Uh-huh, as a journalist, keep, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we need to tell these stories. Mm -hmm. um, journalism is about truth-telling. Right. Um, and sometimes we need to balance these stories that glorify athletics and athleticism mm -hmm. with the truth of the sacrifice that is behind them. Mm -hmm. And if there's a segment of this society who views athletics, and I should say dangerous athletics, mm -hmm. um, as a better way to prosper than other ways, mm -hmm. um, earning a scholarship in engineering, or mm -hmm. earning a scholarship in English proficiency or foreign language or whatever, mm -hmm. then, then we have a problem. Right. And so I think that, uh, you know, I love football. I'm sure you all love football too, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons that we're here. And we'll be glued to the game on, on Sunday night, as we always are. Um, yeah. And we know the risks that are inherent with the game. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to put up guardrails uh, for youth who participate in this sport. dangerous game, right. this dangerous sport. Right. Is this, uh, this the disparity between, um, you know, certain certain parts of the population who, you know, I think I, I read the article today, and so forgive me if I'm wrong, but was it that um, some of the black and Hispanic families were a, a little less concerned or a little less unaware of the of some of the risks of football? Um, well, I think that's overall, that's kind of what we, what we got. Um, well, like for, in terms of like not being aware of the risk or there's like, um, when we ask parents like more detailed questions about like, um, you know, the impact that like, um, like more detailed questions about like the, um, like for example, like when we ask questions about, um, like we ask parents what the median number of head impacts that um, children that can sustain a youth tackle football, um, like a lot of parents respond like they didn't know the answer. So we all know that people like 
the sport is dangerous. But like when we go past that, a lot of parents like don't necessarily like um, have know that information. So I think what that says is that um, youth soccer football programs need to like put the onus maybe on themselves to provide parents with that information more so. And then also like programs like NFL heads up, um, like I talked to Solomon Brandon who used to um, he was a former NFL player played in the first Super Bowl. Um, he used to work for NFL Heads Up, and he when I, he he said that um, that when he was working with NFL Heads Up, that they weren't reaching all the youth tackle football programs that they need to reach in order to make as big of an impact. So maybe the NFL needs to expand their outreach with that yeah. program. Yeah, and it's tough, right? Like the NFL wants to get kids involved in the sport. They want to keep the next generation of fans right. and kids coming through. Right. And I know you asked about you mentioned earlier when we were discussing this. The, um, the very young age groups, and as I understand it, is there's a certain point where it's it's even more dangerous for smaller kids to be playing tackle football. Where where is that line? Um, do we know exactly where that line is? So, the Concussion Legacy Foundation suggested that um, that 14 is the age that they should start playing because you know as so, if a kid doesn't want to play beyond you know the school high school level, at some point they guess they they need to show that they have the ability to. But you know, like when if you play flag at a younger age, you can still um, you can still like learn the fundamentals of the sport, and it, it could actually make, you know make in the long run make you more comfortable playing tackle football later on. These guys are your your brain's still developing yeah. at this point, right? It's 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 definitely not the time that you want to be taking shots to the head. Absolutely not. And um, just a few days ago, the Journal uh, of of the American Medical Association (JAMA) came out with a study of uh, adolescent football players, mm -hmm. tackle football players, and found that in fact, they suffer some forms of, of brain damage. Um, and so, to me, uh, that, should be, that should be enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's warning enough. So if the medical professionals are saying that you shouldn't play tackle football until you're age 14, um, we can't, ex obviously kids aren't going to protect themselves. Right. We have evidence that parents are not necessarily going to protect their kids because they believe that there is a bigger reward down the line. Um, then somebody needs to come to their, uh, uh, come to their, um, their aid um, and protect them from themselves. And so we need to you know, we need to continue to figure out ways to make this game safer and particularly to make the game safer for the youngest who play it. I think that's an excellent point. Right. And you have kids who are at different stages in their development. It's like me if I went out there and tried to, you know, I was sitting here next to Shannon Sharp earlier. His arms are about the size of my torso, which is, which is saying something because I've got a body by pizza. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he would, even now, he yeah. would break me in half. He would seriously injure me if he wanted to tackle me. Um, and you see sometimes you'll see these clips of, of peewee football. Yeah. And you'll see some kid who looks like Ray Lewis out there and some kid who looks like he can't, maybe he's still got Velcro on his shoes just lighting them up. And there's, there's no way that that's safe good for these kids. No, and that's one of the, one of the suggestions is that um, uh, adolescents be grouped by size and weight, which is what I recall coming up playing. We played organized football mm -hmm. based on you were grouped by how much you weighed um, and maybe that's one way to mitigate some of the some of the damage but yet and still it's tackle football and no matter 
what size you're hitting or or being being hit by, um, uh, you know, the danger is still there. Yeah. So I want to get your both the boats uh, uh, thoughts on the game on Sunday. Uh, uh, share about the matchup between the Niners and the Chiefs, and uh, you know, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, who do you guys think the Xbox are going to be uh, for both teams, or you know, expectors? Yeah. Um, I think that Brock Purdy is going to have to like manage the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, it was last in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. You know, he turned the ball over couple of times and then down the stretch when he had to like make the plays he wasn't able to mm-hmm. so I think I think if Brock can help the 49ers keep the game close um, then down the stretch he's going to have the opportunity to kind of make the big plays to kind of help them win it and I'm, I'm rooting for Kyle Shanahan because you know I was in Atlanta um, went did a 28-3 comeback yeah so <laughs> I, I, I do remember that's that that's tough man that's so tough I hope he, he's able to get um, the, his ring how about you Kevin Oh, X Factor. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I would have to lean on, I'd have to lean on Brock Purdy, too. Um, uh, you know, he's he, he's got a ton of weapons, mm-hmm. right? right? He's got uh, McCaffrey out of the backfield. Yep. Kittle is a tight end. Yeah. Um, Debo Samuel is whatever he wants to do, whatever he, wherever he wants to be on the field. Um, Ayuk. That's a lot of that's a lot of weapons, and so um, you know if he can play a clean game, uh, I think they win. But all of this is crazy to be picking against a generational talent at quarterback in Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm just so I'm just I don't know what am I what am I saying here? I can yeah. not pick, but I I you know but I I believe that and um, you know I think that you know Kansas City has struggled this year to put up points. They struggled mm-hmm. to be the explosive team that they've been in the past. Right. And I, I think that in this game is just more, more offensive firepower on, on on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So we'll see. Their defense, you know, I, you know Kansas City's defense has been great. Yeah. You know, if yeah. they can pressure Brock uh, Purdy into making mistakes, then, then they will probably win this game. I want to say they, they're giving up an average of just over 13 points in the playoffs, and that's going up against – that explosive Miami team and Tyreek Hill, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. So they've been really impressive. If they can do it one more time, I think now you throw in that Mahomes X factor and it's going to be hard for San Francisco. But, boy, San Francisco can hit you on any given play, especially with CMC back there. He's a bad man. And and San Francisco can just throw throw at you so many different weapons. They have have Samuels. They have – they have a D. They have a Uke, They Uke. have um, Kittle. They have Kittle. They yeah. have they have Kyle Juszczyk on the outside. I mean, you know, you have weapons all over the place. Yeah. All right. So before we let you all get out of here, can you just tell us one more time, like, what was the impetus behind you know doing this study, and you know how many people worked on? It? Um. So it was like a team of twelve reporters. Um. So like when we were looking at coverage of like youth tackle football, we noticed um one area where that didn't get a lot of coverage was um you know why why black and Hispanic parents, um, you know, want to, like, guess, play the sport or more so, like, like they're, you know, there haven't been, like, a lot of um, coverage, like, on the, on the risk versus um, reward, like, analysis involving that specific group. Yeah. So um, that's why we kind of did the study. Awesome. Do you want to shout out any of your colleagues Thanks. who you worked on the study with, mm-hmm. a chance that, you know, that maybe couldn't be here? 
Um, I'm gonna say shout out to Sabna Bansil, who um, she did two stories on um, using Power Five data and scraping that data and using it to see which cities um, produce um, power, a significant amount of like Power Five players. Yeah, play the next level. Awesome. And where can people find the work? Uh, CNSMaryland.com, and um, if you can probably find it if you look up the Sherry Povich Center for Sports Journalism. Awesome. 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 Cool. Thank you so much Thank for coming by. So and we, much. we expect to see you and your colleagues here on Radio Row, Row with us next year. Sounds good. Thank yeah. You. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for the invite. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, thank you. so much. All right. Um, appreciate you guys stopping by. Thank you. Thank you guys yeah. for stopping by. Absolutely. Yeah. Pleasure to meet you guys. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, of course. Take care. Thank you. All right. When you guys leaving? Uh, I think this is our last one for the day. This is our last um, one for the day. Oh, we'll we're we're, we're going to be in the uh, Malcolm and I are going to be in the workroom for the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So have so. you all covered it before? Uh, yeah. Malcolm was here with us last I, year. I was yeah. here with him last year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's yeah. a uh, it's an event unlike any other. I know they say that about the Masters. The Masters doesn't look all the time. This, yeah. The Super Bowl. This house all the all the sporty events overall, Kevin. I agree with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite the event. Yeah. So it's a enjoy is it. Thank you. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a spectacle. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. media. Yeah. It's a, especially radio, radio row. Yeah. Indeed. Bob Parker over this. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Thank you. you. Take care, y'all. Yeah. Care. We'll see you, man. Take care. See you guys soon. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take care, man. Take care. Uh, Kevin Blackystone, man, doing really great work. I mean, it's just so cool. It's really important, and I know you getting an opportunity. The next generation of, of journalists do good yeah. work, mm -hmm. shine light and tell the truth, find out what's going on in different exactly. communities. That, so, so important. That was a great conversation right there. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It was really interesting. And you know, sometimes it's not that they're not going to have, they're, they're not going to necessarily have all the answers from the right. study. They're not. Right? But they're going to say, hey, look, here's what's going on. And now we we are a little bit more enlightened. And what's what's the next step? Yeah, How do what, we protect these kids. What's the ne you know what you know what's the, what's the next springboard um, to it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess uh, I guess that's it. Are we uh, are we good to wrap up, Richard? All right, Malcolm. It's been an incredible day. I'm really I'm very grateful. I got to spend part of it with you. Uh, I know you were Sterling most of the day, but uh, first time you and I have done the table together. So it's been it's been awesome. Great work, my friend. Great work with yeah. you as well, Patrick, yeah. and uh, looking forward to doing this again tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to be back tomorrow morning, bright and early here on Radio Row, stacking the box, the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Potentially, I'll be getting a tattoo at some point. So we'll see if the guys in the Discord come through. <laughs> yeah. um, you got to come through with a grand for Special yes, Olympics. Yes, come through. All right. For, and I'll get one, you know, for you know, for myself a smooth, you know? Okay, smooth. I'll get a smooth one. So uh, for, for, uh, for my guy, Smooth, this is Joker. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Take care, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.